Welcome back to Travoltine Presents Easy Riders. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering Edward Scissorhands. With special guest, Glenn Sweeney. Hello? The thing that really cracked me up is how the the mod, like your voice dropped ten octaves between the pre-recorded <laughs> right, message right. and you now. <laughs> I don't think it did. <laughs> it's not that bad, but it was a little funny. I have to keep the energy up because what happened last season, Jeff, was you you started off. It's like uh, what was it? Travolti presents the Fraser's Edge covering uh journey to the center of the earth with special <laughs> guests <laughs> we got a little depressed near the end. we got a little depressed near the end yeah that was pretty cool yeah it's true we don't have to cut we can just keep going yeah before Riffing. we had to like just record the intro and then we had to record again to start the actual right, episode right. now we can just carry the flow into it <laughs> mm-hmm. we don't have to cut it off anymore uh, well, that's right, folks. What Stuart said in the the intro that is not pre-recorded anymore, except for the parts of it that are, um, <laughs> is um, we're recovering Tim Burton's 1990 uh, fantasy gothic romance, Edward Scissorhands. It's true. It's true. And we are and we are joined this week by my dad, Glenn Sweeney. Hey, everybody. Um, we Stuart, your dad came on to talk about wild hogs. Yes, uh, <laughs> the motorcycle Tim Allen yeah, Disney classic, the, the, the occasionally homophobic Tim Allen yes. <laughs> motorcycle movie. Absolutely. Um, my dad is here to talk about Edward Scissorhands, um, a movie that I probably saw when I was fairly young. You probably saw it on I rem- video. Yeah, on yeah, video. Yeah. Um, and I. But I specifically remember you've always had this Edward Scissorhands like ten to twelve inch uh, the robot figure, robot, yeah, yeah, just sitting atop of our computer desk in the basement. I was going to bring it today just to sit. In the oh yeah, man, just have it there. That would have been really cool. Wow. So this does have a staple in some in your childhood a little bit. Yes. Okay. Yeah, cool. and and to me, I saw it when it came out. So okay, I can kind of. Is you, know. you were a kind of an original Burton fan? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. From his first movie on. Yep. Pee-wee's Big Adventure, just one of my favorite. I shouldn't say guilty pleasure, but it's it's just uh, it's enjoyable every time I watch it. It's one yeah. of the great yeah. movies. Yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. This and this one, I feel like is like because uh, it's past Beetlejuice, it's past Batman. Yes, uh, before Batman Returns, but it's I don't know, like it's it's right there with like you know his back to back cult classics that people yeah. like. This is kind of the blankiest check Tim Burton gets. Yes. Um, I would say in his career. He gets like bigger movies later. Yes. Because Beetlejuice is not a script that he wrote. Right. Um, Pee Wee's Big Adventure is Paul Rubin's idea that Tim Burton just extrapolates onto the screen. Yeah. Batman is obviously Batman. Yeah. But those three movies becoming big successes kind of lets him, you know, get carte blanche. He can make whatever movie he wants next. Mm-hmm. Warner Brothers really wants him to fast track Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. And instead, he decides, "I well, I have like you know the bull by horns. I'm just gonna make the movie that's been in my head for 20 years." Yeah, um, which is Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, uh, and, and actually, he kind of didn't have the full movie in his head. Yeah, he had the drawings. Me and Jill went up to New York and saw the Tim Burton exhibit. Oh, up there and they had all all like pre production artwork yeah. and his stuff from you know school. Former guest of the yeah. show, Jill Sweeney. Yeah, yes, <laughs> and um, 
he basically had the character and the whole background and idea of who the character was mm-hmm. based on himself. Yeah. And uh, it was Carolyn Thompson, I think her name yes. is. Yeah. Um, she's the one who built the story and told him, say, listen, here's a story. I, I'll build a story around it. And it just kind of steamrolled from there. Because it was just a drawing of more Cicero or less, yeah, 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 that he yeah. made that was of himself, kind of. Yeah, it his, was it depicting was a, his loneliness and outsider. Yeah, yeah, and she just took that. I watched a, a quick like uh, one shot interview series before coming mm-hmm. up here, and Caroline Thompson was am- amongst those uh, who was uh, uh, interviewing for it, and she said he was going off to do Beetlejuice, and as he did that, like you know, she had this fo- uh, this picture uh that he drew and was like i i knew the story right away of what mm. it was going to be about right, right um but i i like what your descriptor mm. jeff that is like the blankiest check yeah, that he's yeah. got getting because like it's not like they wouldn't let me go and make this movie no um just like based on the fact that i'm like it's a good script or a good story or whatever yeah you have to have come off of having the you know kind of unqualified success run working for the studio for the studio to be like all right, we trust you. Go make the Scissor Guy movie. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, the the thing that I find so fascinating about this movie, um, and I'm going to cycle back and talk about the Winona context in a minute. Yeah. Um, but it's very much this because it's kind of Tim Burton's autobiography. Yeah. Um, it's his you know story about moving to Burbank, California, where everything was bright and sunny and nice, and he was miserable. And the juxtaposition of like his feelings with the world around him, but he's coming at it f- through the prism of a guy who's worked in the film studio system for now about 10, 15 years from his starts at Disney Animator and into the movies, mm-hmm. because the the kind of subtext or I'd say the meta text of this movie is it's about a community um, in California that finds a weirdo artist. And sucks him in and makes him do art for them. And they like it as long as it's benefiting them. And the second they start disliking his art or they find his art kind of transgressive or offensive to them, they all turn against him and chase him out of town. Yeah. And it's this weird, like, half autobiography of his teenage years and half, like, prediction of what he thinks is going to happen to him in Hollywood that like <laughs> that actually kind of happens that kind of that, that, that actually kind of did with Disney he, really yeah yeah he just had, he was too dark for Disney yeah. and uh it just didn't work out for him yeah. and, and he gets like like yeah and he gets chased out of Disney yeah. and so it is it is a weird like half teenage autobiography half like him reflecting on his current position in the film industry right and I find it interesting, especially, you know, watching this movie, that there's this, like, interesting idea near the end that, like, he, you know, is look- Edward's looking back and feels like he was exploited by this system and is vowing, like, I'm just going to go back to my gothic castle atop a hill and mm-hmm. make my art and forget all of these Californians. Um, and then, and that's like Tim Burton being like, you know, I'm not going to bow to them. I'm just going to make whatever I want. And then in his career, he ends up just bowing to them and making like Dumbo and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Right, right. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, everyone's favorite movie ever, Dark Shadows. Yeah. Um, but this is all stuff we can really delve into when we start talking about the movie itself. Yeah, um, sure. I think it kind of gives a nice um, rug yeah. to 
stand I mean, upon. You said it. The movie it very much like like it makes no apologies on how like subtextual yeah. it's going to be. And I, that's why I think like when you said it's the blankiest check movie, it really resonated because like, you know, if you read this on paper and you're not thinking any yeah. like an inch deeper than the surface level, you're thinking like, OK, it's just like a Frankenstein movie. Yeah. Like, that's all it really is. And it's like, OK, I guess that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, is your hands like weird? Um, and so that's why I think like you can only give this movie to Tim Burton after what he's mm-hmm. done so far. Yes. Um but I'm really interested to talk about Winota's context into this. Yes. Because <laughs> that's also very interesting. Um, as we all know, I've been reading a Winona Ryder biography um, up to the points of the movies. Um, and obviously this is a pretty important touchstone in her life. The weird thing about this movie is she actually makes this after Mermaids, which we're talking about next week. Yeah, Mermaids comes out after this, but she filmed it before this. So I can tell you all about the production of Mermaids. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Um, a movie I haven't watched yet. Yeah. Um, but she is the first um, cast member signed on to this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's her and then Diane Weist is signed on. Who's great. Who's so good in this yeah. movie. She's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but Winona gets signed on pretty early because Tim Burton is like, hey, I'm making a movie about a guy with scissor hands. You want to be in it? And she's like, yeah, you up? I'm, I'm, I'm on the way. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Um, but of course, you know, Winona's the first call. She had loved working with him on Beetlejuice, and she was now like a marketable name. And so Tim Burton was like, well, obviously, I'll just ask her to be in my next movie. Mm-hmm. And, of course, she's like, yeah, what, whatever you want to do, I'll be there. Um, which I think <laughs> is important to the context of her being in this movie. Because I kind of think she's playing a thankless role in this movie. She doesn't really have much to do. And she's, um, she's agreed, yeah. yeah. She's playing a, like, a thankless, thankless role and a role that... Like, I think I think we might actually be thinking of the same thing when you say thankless, Jeff. Yeah. But I think it's thankless in the sense that she is doing so much in the sense that it's not a role she's really used to yeah. doing. Like if you've seen Winona's movies before, like I'd say the closest she ever gets to the part she's playing now is like Heather's. But even then, because she Heather's made, is like an inversion of this character archetype. Yeah. So like she said it in interviews where it's like you know she was bullied by people that were what what's the character's name. Uh, um, Kim, like uh, she was bullied by Kim's when she right, was a kid, right. and now she's being asked to play Kim, like right, essentially right. a, a or version Jim. or or Jim, yeah, Jim the the Anthony Michael Hall jock. Uh, uh, we'll talk about him later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but the thing about uh, Winona, um, so sort of sort of when Beetlejuice came around, mm-hmm. I was around. And it kind of established, like, I saw her in Lucas, and I remember just seeing that movie, didn't know who she was, and I was like, this girl's wonderful. She's she's just draws you in. Mm-hmm. You want her to be your best friend in this movie? Mm-hmm. And then when I saw her in Beetlejuice, oh, this this is great. Beetlejuice, especially being the character she played, kind of established her as cool. Yeah. yeah. But yet, she goes back to school, and she gets ridiculed as a witch. Yeah. But it really, it kind of established her as an outsider, a, a, a cool actress. Yeah. And I think that's what kind of led her towards um, other movies, such and, Heathers yeah. and everything. But then this seems like a backstep. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She's extremely uncool in this. Uh, she very, she's very open that she did not relate to this character at all and didn't really like this character that much. Yeah. She's doing the movie because she liked the pitch and she likes Tim Burton. Yeah. Um, but I do think that like, this is, as much as I do like this movie, I, I love this movie a lot. I think it's kind of one of her weaker, like, I don't want to say performances, but weaker like characters that we've talked uh, about so far. Exactly, she did what she could do with the yeah. character, but 
There yeah. wasn't much. You, yeah. She used to love interest. Yeah, more or less. Just playing you know? an object of desire yeah, for a guy yeah. with scissor hands. Yeah. Um. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Is she, uh, I'm about to ask a dumb question, guys, but was she in all like the grandma prosthetics or is that yes, just, that is her. That, yeah, is her. Her. that is her. Okay. Yeah. I thought that was the most interesting character she played in the movie. Yeah. Was She's the like, grandma version. And it was funny at the end when she took her glasses off, like that was the reveal. <laughs> right. <laughs> that it was her, you know? Right. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, I just didn't know if it was the same actress. It know, is like, Winona. Okay, yeah. it's okay. funny because she's like doing the um, her old woman voice is the exact same voice as uh, Leia Thompson in the opening of Back to the Future when she's doing like the old mom. Yes, uh, she's like Uncle Joey didn't make parole again. <laughs> slaps the cake down. <laughs> like it's the same. Like it's, they sound exactly the same. <laughs> mm-hmm. They really do. They really do. Yeah. Um, it's probably some sound editing. Now, as I think about it. You probably just do a little, um, yeah. You probably just game. do a little bit of like, yeah, pitch uh, fluctuation there, mm-hmm. add some gravel to it, and then, yeah, that's an old person voice. Because imagine what they actually sound like yeah. on set nowadays. You just hit the AI button and now, turn yeah. person right. old. <laughs> <laughs> that is what you do, um, or you send them to the beach that makes you old. Um, yeah, <laughs> so I, I, the, I, I see the you. <laughs> other vital bit of Winona, like personal stuff, is that she is dating Johnny Depp throughout the process of making this movie. Right. Yes. Um, which w- we've talked about the, the 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 favorite story ever of Johnny Depp getting a Winona Forever tattoo and then having it adjusted to say wine forever, um, <laughs> which ba- which is... Uh, it's wino forever. Wino forever, which yeah. is excellent foreshadowing to his, uh, his current day troubles of spending $130,000 a month on wine and um, getting potentially arrested multiple times for various allegations. Yes. Yes, um, indeed. But it's funny because he doesn't get cast in this movie because of that. It's kind of an accident that he's in the movie and is dating Winona. Because mm-hmm. she's cast originally and is going to be here no matter what. Originally, Fox wants Tim Burton to play or wants him to cast Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um, which sounds like it would have been disastrous <laughs> for this movie. It <laughs> would have been horrible. <laughs> um, um, Tom Cruise is an actor who I like very much and would not have probably been the right choice for this, especially at the stage in his career he's in. Yeah, no. Because this is like um, Days of Thunder era Tom Cruise. Um, mm. So, you not know, he, time. Imme- he meets with uh, Tom Cruise and is like, this guy's great. Absolutely no way am I casting this guy in this movie. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. Um, yeah. And so he is like just looking through. It seemed like Tom Hanks is offered the role, turns it down. Um, John Cusack is offered the role, turns it down. Um, I think it was. I want to. Who is it? The cast. It wasn't Edward Norton or Brad Pitt up for consideration too. I mean, you could find these things everywhere about like all the actors that were considered. Right. At one was, point, there's right. rumor Tom Hanks was yeah. considered. Gary Oldman. Okay. Um, he was, was like was like the one who they actually approached. Okay. He probably and he probably would have came off good. Yeah, he yeah, would have been yeah, good. He would have been really good. Um, he turned it down because he said the the story was absurd. <laughs> but then when he saw the movie, he deeply regretted the decision. Yeah. Eventually, Burton does like loop back to Johnny Depp. Um, and though he had, he said he'd never seen Twenty One Jump Street, um, but he just kind of knew his persona, um, which is was very similar to Winona's at the time. I imagine um, as uh, like a cool guy. Not not really. So he was Twenty One Jump Street, and he was. Yeah. I mean, he was all the covers of the teen magazines. He was the mm-hmm. heartthrob. Yeah. And uh, he did Cry Baby, which he was the heartthrob. Yeah. And this is 
one of the first movies where he played against his type because he was just viewed as the handsome guy. Like, yeah. you know, um, and that's what I really respected about him because after he did this, which he did a wonderful performance, he went on to play a whole bunch of other um, oddballs. Benny yeah. June, Gilbert Grape. Um, I don't know if you saw Chuck a lot. He played like I've not pirate. seen Chuck a lot. Mm-mm. He played the pirate. He just played all these outsiders that usually weren't the main character, even though he wasn't mm-hmm. in, in Edward Scissor, more or less in Edward Scissor Hands. He was the main character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I just had a lot of respect that he just he didn't just mm-hmm. go for the pretty boy roles. Mm-hmm. And yeah. my favorite performance of his is not Edward, it's Ed Wood. Um, which comes oh, yeah. Four <laughs> years later. Oh, he was great in that. Um, yep. Well, again, an outsider yeah. role, yeah. And he, this very much begins his collaboration with. Um, I saw you, Stuart. I saw you going for uh, the the honks. I was going to go for um, the rib shot. The- yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's this, too late. It's too late. Um, this does begin his long career of working with Tim Burton, um, yeah. which is a collaboration that continues until 2012, um, when they're both tried at the Hague for uh, Dark Shadows and uh, unfortunately sentenced to prison for life. Yeah. Um, now, is there anything in? I uh, maybe it's in later, but. This isn't the last Winona Burton no, team be, up, is it? Um, they do do Frank and Weenie together. Okay, which we will talk about. But is that's not until like what? Like when when does Frank and Weenie come out? Frank and Weenie is like twenty eleven, twenty twelve, I think. Why? That's that's twenty one years. Yeah. So what is there anything in the biography that says like like why cuz it seems like Winona Burton would also be like a surefire like director actor duo Well he he does get her start and then while well, she likes working with him this movie doesn't really do much for her um maybe she's just like maybe this guy isn't for me Well like, what happens to her right after this is she is in Bram Stoker's Dracula and the Age of Innocence mm-hmm. um which connects her with Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola Okay. Um, and yeah. we'll talk about those movies down the line, but it kind of skyrockets her to a new level of prestige. Yeah. Um, she gets her Oscar nomination for The Age of Innocence. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of think that this genre of movie is no longer in of much her, interest to yeah. her. She's, you know, okay. found herself in Oscar winning movies and is like, I'm going to pursue this career path. Hmm. Um, so, in some respects, while, I mean, Mermaids, which we talk about next week, film before this is also of this ilk. This is kind of the tail end of like her it girl era before she transitions into more of like a serious dramatic actress. Okay. And which is funny you say that because there is a scene in this movie which to me is either Winona or Tim Burton trying to portray her as going to adulthood. And that's a scene where Edward's laying in the bed and she comes in and she pulls her shirt up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. To me, that says, look, she's a woman now. Yeah. She's no longer yeah. a girl. And I don't know if that was her that wanted yeah. to do that to kind of change her, you know, mm-hmm. to her show image. That I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can do. I can do this more adult material now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, and I, I'm not sure either. But I mean, it because I definitely like again going back to the point where it's like this is the first like she's used to playing outsiders and now she's playing an insider role. And it almost feels like, like, I think you said it best, where it's like, it does feel like a kind of a back step for right, her. Right, right. Um, and it's weird that, you know, as we talked about Johnny Depp, that he goes from here, from playing the heartthrob to playing the outsider yeah. kind of after this. Right. They kind know. of invert their career. Yeah, they yeah. kind of invert yeah. their careers after this a little bit. That, And I don't, not to say Winona doesn't stop playing outsiders. She plays a robot in Alien Resurrection, so that's still a pretty good outsider. But 
Uh, but to that point, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's it. I think this is a very pivotal. Yes, it's not a different era that we're moving to. I don't think. Well, we're two away from that. We're two away from an yes. era. Okay, so this is a, this is an interesting yeah, this point is, then. Yeah, I, I kind of summarize this through Night on Earth as like um, her It Girl era. Okay. Before she moves in, I don't know what the next one's called. And we're uh, Night on Earth. Jim Jarmusch. Yes. Oh, I don't know. She yeah. was in it. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. And, uh, the year after this, she is in Mermaids and Night on Earth. Those are her two uh, ninety-one releases. Mm. I think that was one of Jarmish's first movies, wasn't I it? I believe it was his first. It kind of broke him open, yeah. Um, I could be wrong, but I I mean, let me double check this. But it was... Listen here, Sonny. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, okay, it's actually his fifth movie, so okay. I'm, I'm wrong on that one. What, what was his first? Was that uh, Strangers? Per- permanent Vacation. Did he do Strangers in Paradise? Yes. Yeah. Stranger Than Paradise, Permanent Vacation, Stranger Parents, Down by Law, Mystery Train, and Night on Earth. Yeah, Strangers in Paradise, nothing happens, but it's just an enjoyable, somber movie. Hmm. I'm a big fan of movies where nothing happens. Yeah, you'll, you'll like that. And I think Totoro might be in that. Mm. Uh, Totoro? Jim's you got, you, I think. You escaped the neighborhood? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was really sweaty. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was um, sweaty. Uh, cool. So I think that's, you know. Yeah, is there any other context where we hop into plot mode? I'm skimming just to double check. I mean, there's a lot of like um, kind of shoe leather about the making of this movie. Like Tim Burton said Burbank had changed too much, so he didn't feel correct to use Burbank in this movie. So they found mm. a town near Tampa Bay, Florida, mm. that they basically rented out the entire town to make this movie instead of building a set. And then they just went through and painted all of the houses the same four colors. But I'm sure if you go back to that town, it's still the exact yeah. same it's thing. Not, <laughs> it's yeah, not. Yeah, I actually looked that up. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the one thing they did besides paint, they made all the windows smaller oh, to yeah. create that. Yeah. The, the four colors were seafoam green, dirty flesh, butter, and dirty blue. Right. Um, dirty, just like dirty four colors. kind of unpleasant pastels. What was the movie that... Um, uh, what's the what's, Florida Project? No, Jesse Jesse Eisenberg was in it. It's a horror movie. Oh, I know the one you're talking the, about. The yeah, yeah, you know the Starts one. Starts with a V. Vivarium. Vivarium. It, uh, have you heard of this movie, Vivarium? Yeah, I've heard of it now. It's like basically picture this uh, neighborhood, but if all the houses were painted the same color, they were the exact same shape and size, and you couldn't escape. Like it's, oh, that's right. <laughs> so it's like it's got a lot of the same overtones. Right. Uh, uh, Jesse Eisenberg and uh, Imogen Poots is in it as well. Um, very interesting movie. I, and, and what's neat about the the uh, place he picked that neighborhood has one in and one out. Yeah, which creates more isolation, a trapped illusion. Yeah, tra- yeah, illusion. All the cars are the same, and. In almost every shot, there's never a horizon. Mm-hmm. You'll see mm-hmm. nothing in the background, which creates more of a yeah. feeling of isolation. Yeah. There's a couple of scenes where you might see some trees, but it's always shot where the yeah. horizon is usually the roofs of the houses. Wow. Stuart, what was I saying on Friday? Well, you thought I had no. it prepped up. No, I don't. Where's <laughs> no. the horizon? Did, did you see the Fablemans? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, the end where David Lynch is playing John Ford. and Right, right. Uh, the Spielberg's like true life story about how... Um, he just went in and John Ford's like, the horizon's at the top and the bottom. That's interesting. It's in the middle. It's boring. Um, right. <laughs> that's all I got for you. And I said to Stuart on Friday that that's one scene of a movie did more for me um, understanding shot composition than four years of film school. <laughs> <laughs> well, in in, um, in art, 
Yeah. It's kind of like that. Most art is kind of created into three levels. Mm -hmm. Um, and the idea of putting the art using light space, um, light space line and color, Mm um, is to, push your eye somewhere in the painting. And yeah. that's what these do. And sometimes they use to separate, but you'll notice in a lot of paintings that it's really, it's going to yeah. be three bands across a lot of paintings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I have much more else context wise, but I do want to bring up that um, we very rarely get this opportunity, but when did you first see this movie and what was like your experience or memory? Of so it? I, I can't remember if I saw it in a the theater or not. Mm-hmm. I may have seen it. I want to say that I did because I remember there's, the ice dancing scene. Yeah. And I just remember that just being really impressive. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. this giant screen and, uh, you know, today it doesn't look as impressive with the special effects you have today. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just remember thinking, wow, that's really, that's fantastical. Yeah. You know, seeing her dance and seeing that, that snow come. So I want to say I saw it in the theater. If not, I saw it probably within a year on VHS tape. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice, Um, nice. And I just remember really liking it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And my first, takeaway of it is um i didn't know a whole lot about burton then mm. I, I just knew that he you know, the movies he did beforehand but i didn't know too much about him and um to me it was the story it was um the character was similar to lenny in of mice and men mm-hmm. um he's got scissors for hands so he can't have human touch yeah. yeah and that's you know that's one of the themes in the movie to me is um if you're familiar with mice and men yeah um, lenny always hugged him he killed them. Yeah, and that's the same thing he has. He can't. He can't touch anybody. He can't hug anybody because of the risk. Yeah. And anybody he did touch, he ended up hurting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, didn't kill him like you know Lenny, but yeah. So I that's that's the first thing I picked up from it to relate to that character. Yeah, it's just yeah. the incapability of. Yeah. So human. I have a question to ask. In, yeah. in that, with having that in the back of your mind, watching the movie, do you think it was going to go to the mice and men conclusion? And did the, no, because I didn't. I didn't make the connection at the time. Okay, until gotcha. the movie was over, and I started thinking about it. I was like, "Yeah, that's you know that gotcha. he he can't touch." Yeah, and uh, even if I did, uh, I knew this movie wasn't going to go there. Right, <laughs> yeah. but, and that was kind yeah. of the thought yeah. too. It's like it's it's not a Disney he, movie, he, but like, it's almost sex yeah. Winona at the end by accident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, just in the sense of like you know, it, it's not a Disney movie, but it's almost Disney esque, and it's yeah. like they're it's not a fairy gonna, tale. They're not yeah. going to kill yeah. Yeah. scissor hands, like yeah. you know, in like a mice and men sort of way. It, it was it, it it ended, and I don't want to say it ended the way that I expected. It ended a way that was. Uh, that I liked, I guess, I, very simply. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it wasn't a uh, give. I mean, uh, typical movie, and it was a Disney movie, they'd end up together. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And uh, they took the move of, of putting him back up more or less where he belonged. Yeah. 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 To make yeah. his weirdo ice sculptures. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. And I don't say that negatively, like yeah. he belongs there, but that's, I think that's his thriving atmosphere. Yes. Is, even yeah. though it's loneliness and everything, uh, I think that's where he's. Mm-hmm. That's what's fit for him. And it's right. very, you know, to not to, you know, um, psychoanalyze Tim Burton right now, but, and throughout so much of his career, he's been married, I think, like four times. And every time it ends because they're like, yeah, he just cares more about the work than he cares about <laughs> um, the relationship. And that's so many artists. When, he, yeah. and, when yeah. he and Helena Bonham Carter were married, like, she was like, yeah, we lived in separate houses with an underground tunnel connecting them. <laughs> this is a true story. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> that's crazy he's <laughs> like yeah we see each other for dinner we have meals together but he's just you know over there sculpting um some decapitated corpse or something and you know i work in my own room my cottage wow. Jeez, oh, peace. uh well uh 
Should we get right into the yeah. start of the movie? Start telling the story. The yeah. story. And the other thing you might want to, well, yeah. you might get to it is the kind of set direction for the castle. Too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Which is the beginning of the movie, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that before or after the old Winona? It's it's the like opening titles and then old Winona, right? It's opening titles sure, yeah. and then old Winona. Okay. Yeah. Um, because it does just start with this really fun. One of my favorite things about Tim Burton, the whimsical um, intros, is his opening credits. Yeah, especially up through like, um, I would say like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I yeah. have very vivid memories of all of his opening credits. Yeah, I'm a big fan of opening credits. I like when you do something fun with them. Yeah, um, and like in Ed Wood, it's like they're going through a graveyard, and every headstone is the name of an actor or someone who worked on the movie. Yeah, like that's an elaborate camera yeah. movement that takes time to set up. Like yeah. that's a day of work, right? Just for the opening credits. Yeah, I like that 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 thought goes into something that a lot of filmmakers were just like it's throw just, some white text on a black screen. Right. right. Yeah. Um, exactly. And this is a fun one because it is just we're seeing the process of the essentially the cookie machine. We'll mm-hmm. later find out, but we're seeing this like big Rube Goldberg esque mach- uh, machinery, yeah, with very Tim Burton design to it. Well, they're um, all very like humanoid esque. Yeah. All the robots, even though they make a, do a specific purpose, they all it's like the, the things that enact them to do a task are like limbs. Yeah, it's interesting. Right, it's this um, uh, factory press designed to look like a human body parts. Yeah. Um, which is a bizarre sentence to say, but yeah. Um, and when we get into Vincent Price later, it's you know he's always craving a human connection, mm-hmm. um, and this is his. We're seeing the inklings of that, yeah, uh, the right. foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. But we get the you know the cast titles like going across the font screen with like a spotlights and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but then we meet Winona. Yeah, we get the old Winona hey, voice. Hey, hey, hey. Hi, hi, Stuart. <laughs> Stuart. Are you, are you saying that she sounds like me doing Bill Clinton? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> Just a little bit. Uh, I knew that Bill Clinton one would come in handy. <laughs> one of my very few good impressions. I didn't know what context I would use that sound effect for, but that's one yeah. right there. Uh, yeah. The machine's yeah. paid for itself now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it really has. Uh, but yeah, we get the Winona Rider. It's like, the castle on the hill. She <laughs> um, still lives in the town. Um, yeah, she's given a bedtime story to her grand... I'm assuming it's her granddaughter. Yeah, granddaughter. Who is... I don't know if the child is really small or if the bed's really big. I think it's a big But bed. that child looks really tiny in that bed. I would guess with Tim Burton, he makes it big. Yeah. To yeah. create that, yeah. Create that <laughs> illusion of like being a kid and yeah. being, feeling like the bed is massive around you. Yeah, right. Um, How do we feel about the old age makeup? It's the nineties. <laughs> it's, like it's the nineties. Yeah. It's early nineties. I'd yeah. say it's so. a little waxy. Yeah, but watch it, Back to the Future. It, yeah, it does it look like Leia Thompson? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, like the pancake face, right? Yeah, the aesthetic too. How many hours in hair and makeup you think it took three. to get that result? Probably three. Three. I guess it's three. Interesting. Okay. I feel like any time there's like a face thing like that, it's like three hours. We never mentioned uh hour and 45 minutes in hair and makeup every day for Johnny Depp. Yes. That's that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like, he it's an hour and 45, which is extensive, but he does admittedly only really have face makeup and then a wig. Yeah. Um, right. So like that's still an extensive period of time, but it's not like, you know, a full face prosthetic. <clears throat> yeah. 
Um, he still has to wear like the thing underneath. Yeah. Or like poor Dave Batista having to do like four hours of makeup every day. Oh my god. I'm <laughs> um, probably working on set for three and then going back and getting it off. Yeah. Um, but she's, you know, talking to her granddaughter and telling her the story of Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. Um, which immediately, you know, starts the the fairy tale comparison of the movie. Because I have a very like fairy tale um structure to it. Yeah. Um and as far as we're aware, it's just her telling the story to her granddaughter. It's not like a real thing that happened. The reveal at the end of the movie is, <laughs> I was the girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Which you have to put in there, yeah. obviously. And you, I, you can't not put yeah. it in and there. And I think she prefaces it as like, do you want to know where snow comes from? Right? Yeah. Because she said it didn't always used to snow in this valley. That's yeah. right. Yep. Um, the San Fernando Valley. Is that what it is? Yeah. Well, it's if it's supposed to be Burbank, then it would be in the San Fernando Valley. Oh, yeah, um, probably. Um, anyway, yeah, so she, you know, we, we do the, she doesn't literally open up a book, yeah, but she just sits in a rocking chair and starts, like, telling the story, and I think we're then transported to the suburbia. Yeah, and we get the Diane Wiest yes. um, sequence first. Diane Wiest, Avon Calling. Yeah, she's the Avon saleswoman. And I love the hand gesture she always makes. Yeah. Yes. Like, she has a very... Like essentially almost mechanized um, sales pitch now. Rehearsed. Yeah. Yeah. Totally yeah. rehearsed. Yep. You guys have Mary Kay in Pennsylvania. Mary Kay? We used to. That That's yeah. like, don't you do that? Like have homes? Yeah. Like people yeah. People have it at their homes. People have yeah. their homes now. Yeah. Did they yeah. used to ever be like door to door sales people? Um, I don't think so. Um, I remember, I remember Avon. Yeah. yeah. You, don't, you don't know Avon Mary Kay? Call- it was yeah. Avon calling. Yeah. And that's um, these, you know, it was just yeah, this is like a real thing that would happen. Yeah. 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 Yep. My mom was in Mary Kay, and when I saw the Avon calling the makeup salesperson, like, oh, I feel like I recognize that. But you're right; mm-hmm. they do more kind of like invite people to homes. And yeah. Stuff like yeah. That. It's kind of like the I think Tupperware is probably one of the first to do that. Have Tupperware parties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Over yeah. And sell them all at Tupperware. Yeah. Then steak knives for some reason. Steak knives. <laughs> <laughs> steak knives is more of a a, a TV ad thing. Oh right. Yeah. 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 We should have a Tupperware party. Let's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have a Tupperware party. We should. I'm just gonna blind send invites to everybody. This just says Tupperware party with a date and a time and not elaborate any further. Yeah. yeah. People uh, show up dressed in Tupperware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but she's knocking, Avon calling, and no one's really buying anything from her. I really like the Conchata Pharrell, who's like, you know you come every time, and I, I never, never buy it. <laughs> she was great, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, she eventually gets back in her car. And this is a good like intro to get to know, essentially, a lot of the neighbors that yeah. are going to be involved. Uh, there's the one lady neighbor who's with her dishwasher repairman. Kathy okay. Baker. Oh, Kathy Joyce. Kathy Baker. Joyce. Joyce. Yeah. She yes. was... <laughs> She was great. Yeah. Yes. That, you know? She's so oh, funny. Yes. And neighborhood floozy. And, yes. Uh, and so eventually, yeah, we get a good few intro of those folks. And then she gets back in her car and she's like, man, this is just not my day. And on cue, she corrects her uh, side mirror, driver's side side mirror. And we get the organ music. I didn't prep it. <laughs> I didn't prep the organ music. I wish I did. Uh, but yeah, it's like the organ music, lightning strike. It's the, 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 the black mansion. Yeah. Well, this is the thing I love in Tim Burton movies is like he'll just he'll be very open and just like have this juxtaposition of it's a flat valley um, with a lot of suburban houses. And then there just happens to be a mountain with a gothic castle on top of it. Yeah. That just has a door number like there's an address on it. (laughs) Yeah, Like somebody who who 
created the development, went to that plot and said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's the place to do it. <laughs> make it work. <laughs> right along the yeah. side of the Gothic uh, ancient mansion. Yeah, very much so. And she's seemingly the first person to go up there in like 20 years. The gate's open. Yeah, the gate is just open. Yeah. Um, and she's like, well, I've never sold Avon to them before. Let's see what who's what's going on up there. Yeah. Um, we it's important to note we you know as decrepit as the whole place looks when she walks into the yard at how like very well put together all the the hedges are. Yes. Essentially, they're all very crafted, manicured. manicured very well, and so that's like the one thing that's like kept very well mm-hmm. maintained. In, Which in would kind of create a little more comfort for her to approach this house. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And she's a she's. A very trusting person, yeah. yeah, and which kind of justifies her going into the house. And it also does. Um, it's like just some fun set deck foreshadowing of because later in the movie, when he does become, he just just start like trimming the, the hedges. hedge man, trimming the fudge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, <laughs> late for trimming the fudge. Thank you. <laughs> I gotta apologize to her for some of these yeah. jokes. <laughs> I thought I raised them good, but just, apparently I made some mistakes. Trust me, yeah. it's uh, never been dropping four, no four years now <laughs> of this. <laughs> that's like one of the great scenes in Fellowship. Oh, I'm sorry. Which scene? That's what I was doing. Like where he pulls Sam through the window. And he's like, "Little late for trimming the verge." <laughs> Well, whatever. <laughs> um, whatever. That was great. Um, I haven't been dropping to Eve, sir. <laughs> yeah. You see? See? Yeah. I feel yeah. validated. <laughs> I know what um, you were talking about. Yeah, I, good. I, I good. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> when he starts trimming the hedges later, you now have this like, if you'd been paying attention, you're like, okay, he didn't just start doing this here. Yeah. He's been honing the skill for, for some odd years. Yeah. Right. And he builds off of it to trimming dogs yeah. and then trimming people, like, people, <laughs> which creates people for mm. him. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he is by himself. So these are, I guess, sort of the friends, or you know, it gives him company. I yeah, guess. yeah, yeah. And I do like that this movie never goes to Edward like turns into a monster and starts killing people. Oh, me. That too. feels like right, the right. very like director who doesn't know what they're doing yeah. choice to make in this movie absolutely um and thankfully burton's like very smart like that's what you would obviously do if you're in a script notes meeting with some hollywood mm-hmm. executives and that's it's like oh at the he end he starts, he starts yeah. killing the yeah. town people yeah it is also funny that johnny depp's first movie is nightmare on elm street uh, <laughs> a movie about a guy with scissor hands and then he makes uh plays, scissor hands. he plays makes, a guy with scissor, uh, hands. scissor hands yeah yeah right um, the, the freddy krueger and every scissor hands yeah <laughs> that was my Freddy Krueger impression. Nice. Um, but she goes up and she knocks on the door and it, it just opens. Yeah. Um, and it's very dusty, cobwebby inside of this gothic manor. Mm-hmm. And she spots Edward on the staircase. Is that what happens? Well, so, no, she she goes in through, like, the first floor manor, ginormous. And she goes to the attic. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, well, in the corner. Well, actually, when she walks in, she sees all the machinery and stuff. And when she does look to the staircase... Mm-hmm. At the top, you do see a shadow. Oh, okay. yes, yes. Yeah. You do yeah. see, so she see goes a shadow. Up that wonderful staircase. I yes. Think, I mean, it's oh. And the other thing about the castle, it is so, so immense that, again, it, it creates emptiness and, and yeah. loneliness. Yeah. yeah. And it's bigger on the inside. Like, yeah, with, yeah. With, if you think about, like, how it's looked at from the outside with all the suburbia and then you're inside the place, it's ginormous from the inside. Mm-hmm. Um 
And then she goes up the stairs where she doesn't see him right away because the first thing she sees is like his sort of like bunk by the chimney kind of where he's been sleeping. And he's been cutting up pictures from like newspapers. Yeah. Right. They get delivered. And uh, magazines and whatnot. Yeah. I just mean like the magazine guy. He just like drives up to the the Gotham man and throws the new edition of People and then drives right. a little truck. You just back see down. like a pair of scissors, like. <laughs> but that's when she starts to hear the. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's when we get the reveal of Edward. Edward he comes forward, walking in the way that he does. Jeff is holding his for the people yeah, who are listening. Right. Jeff is holding his arms out yeah. like in a square. I was pose. planning on having some pairs of scissors ready that I could, but I figured that would be just too much. Well, I mean, we got the sound. Yeah, we do have the sound. Effect. We have the sound effect mixer now. Um, I be- I used to entertain Jeffrey. I used to put tweezers in my yeah. sleeves and be Edward Tweezer hands. <laughs> yeah, I remember this. Thought, yeah, I remember yeah. this very fondly. Yeah. Yes, it was it was very mm-hmm. funny. Edward Tweezer hands like the mo- the least effective <laughs> um, form yeah. of this man. Right, <laughs> that's very good. And I love so much how quickly Diane Weiss like jumps to his aid. She has no interest in like. She is like for a second. She's like, "All right, I'm gonna leave." When she thinks that he's threatening her, yeah. But the second he's like, "Don't go," she immediately like has this motherly affection for yeah. him, and he has a very soft voice too. It's, "Don't yeah. go." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he talks like I mean, Johnny Depp at the time is what twenty. Um, it's like he's probably like tw- filmed 20. in '89. He would have been ten, twenty, thirty. Uh, he'd be like twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Twenty-six. Twenty-seven. Wow. Okay. Wow. Good genes. <laughs> just done a run of. Because uh... he looks, he could, he could easily Wait, what, pass what off. What was that about good genes? <laughs> <laughs> hey, how old is he now? Like six. He is uh, sixty. Yeah, pretty good genes still, yeah. I would say. Um, but yeah, I mean, he could pass off as fifteen for all I yeah. could see in my eyes. But He's yeah. also very clean shaven, very and pasty. Pale. Yeah, yeah. This is the first of him and Tim Burton's. Uh, Pale face collaborations. Yes, there will be with, more with silly hats. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the greatest failure of the modern film ecosystem is that Johnny Depp never got to do his Invisible Man movie, oh. a movie in which he would have been represented on screen solely by a silly hat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so true. Um, very, very true. But Diane Weist, you know, jumps to his aid, and we get a lovely smash cut from. Just them in the gothic manner to just him sitting in the passenger seat of the car as they drive through suburbia. Yeah, it cuts very quickly to yeah. like uh, him being. I thought there'd be like a little bit more of a gradualness of being yeah. like, okay, we're in this gothic castle. We're going to try to get this like figure out into like the real world and we're going to try to slowly get them there. Nope, it's just bam, I in like, the car. I like how jarring it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it immediately, if the movie's from Edward's perspective for the most part, it really throws you in how, to how alien this community seems. Yeah. Because it's not built like real suburbia. It's built like Tim Burton's childhood perception of suburbia, which is bright pastels and weird people. Yeah. Um, who are always talking about you and you don't understand why. Yeah. And so he's just, we're seeing so much from his perspective as he looks around, sees all these women watering their plants and then running inside when he goes by. And by the time that they've reached the home, the game of telephone has passed through the entire neighborhood, and every housewife is now gathered on a single right, corner right, to right. discuss. A little um, little side note. So there's one scene where he drives past, and there's some kids on a lawn doing slip and slides. Yeah. Apparently, one of the kids is later went on to be an in sync or Backstreet oh, Boys or something. Yeah, yeah. I did yeah. see something like that. Yep. Uh, uh, was it Dylan something or? 
I don't know. BS. I'm not I, a fan of the. So or, I don't know yeah. the names. It became uh, either NSYNC or Backstreet Boys. Yeah. From what yeah. I remember. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm finding out right now. It, it's, I think it's an IMDb trivia. trivia Nick level. Carter. Nick, Nick Carter. Carter. Yep, yeah, yeah. And the other thing about the car ride, they didn't overdo his fish out of water thing. Yes. You know, they, he just basically the one where he almost hit her in the face and the one where he hit the window. Yeah. Um, but they didn't beleaguer the point, you know. I like that it's less of a fish out of water and more just like. Um, what would the inverse of that be? Fish in water? Yeah, like fish in, <laughs> like... Because it's less about how odd he is in the environment and more about how odd the environment is to him. Oh, okay. Like, we're not see Like, the obvious pit, like... It's like a hamster in the water. Yeah, something like that. Like, <laughs> like, the obvious POV here... Thank you. <laughs> the obvious POV here is to see it from... Because he's like a, a weirdo. Yeah. It's obvious that we're like, look at this weirdo in this in suburbia. But we're seeing like we're supposed to take his side and see look at how weird suburbia is to this guy. Yeah. Um and I just find that a really fun POV to come at this movie from. Well, and then to take it to the other direction of that, it's also about Tim Burton being like introduced to Hollywood and his like creativeness. Yes. That right. all the housewives are very eager to like, ooh, look at this new, like creative, new this thing. young up right, and coming right. director writer who we can like play with for a while. Like that's also kind of the thought that I was having on it as well. Um, but yeah, she takes him home. Yes. Introduces him to her son. Um Kevin. who is the least important character in the Who movie. they they try to to cast Macaulay Culkin. I, I did look this up. They yeah. did try to cast Macaulay Culkin in the role. Would it have been a wasted role for him? Yes. But, but hey, at least so it would have Macaulay been like, hey, it's a kid from Home Alone. Played Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> look, a kid did a slip and slide and they yeah, and major super groups. Right, I mean, exactly. Nick Carter do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she meets, he meets uh, her son and then um, they try out essentially various makeups. Um, she wants to like kind of disguise his scars. Is 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 it that or like the outfit first? Oh, it's outfit first. Because she says like you can try on my husband's clothes. Yeah, and that's when we get that. This one of my favorite scenes is when he tries to put on all like the clothes. Yeah, so he all drops it to the ground and like it was really wasn't much acting involved in here. It's literally like you know Johnny Depp's wearing these like props and Tim yeah. Burton's like all right, just try to put these clothes on. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Without yeah. cutting any of it, and so like he's when you have a movie where the guy has scissor hands, you obviously have to do like the the clothes gag and you have to do a waterbed <laughs> gag. Like this is just right. something you have to do. Burton is very game. He's like, all right, I'll I'll knock it out quick. We'll we'll do the funny thing and then we'll go back to the movie. Yeah, and, and he, so and he he pokes the waterbed first yeah. time he does it. And it starts leaking. He puts a stuffed animal, and that stops it. <laughs> that stops it. It's yeah, totally that, yeah, fine. That's how you do it. Yeah. Uh, water beds really bad for your back. I heard. I've only slept in a water bed once. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like them. I, I hear it's terrible for your back. I can imagine. Yeah, because you just like sink into it. Yeah. When your spine just moves freely. Yes. Essentially, you don't have any. You kind of want some rigidity. Yeah. Yeah. And the other sort of analogy that maybe you can take away is so she's a um, she's an Avon saleswoman. So her thing is to make you up, cover up, yeah. you know, to make you look better. Yeah. And if you kind of look at the town and those pastel colors, it's kind of covering up what's the people yeah. that are really in this town, what they really are. Yeah. Uh, similar to uh, the opening scene in Blue Velvet where the guy's cutting the grass in suburbia. Yeah. And it, they pan down into the ground. It's all, all the infested yeah. in there. Yeah. So I think that that's kind of like it. And throughout the movie, she's constantly trying to put makeup on to make somebody their best. Yeah. And I, I, 
kind of disguise really it's actually yeah. that's a good observation that yeah. they're yeah. it's all about covering up like the kind of disgusting nature of yeah. suburbia yeah to yeah. make it to make it look better yeah a lot of like the the great like cinematic weirdo directors like your david lynch's and um tim burton's all kind of and we've talked about several movies like this on the podcast um have a lot of interest in deconstructing suburbia mm-hmm. whether from their own um childhood experiences or just looking at it as an adult just kind of how like halloween's a great movie about suburbia um how these um kind of very safe very manicured very like white towns that are created are all covering up usually like land being taken away or just like you know um i'm trying to think of the wording i want to say here like um very controlled very um dictatorial um in the type of people they let in okay um well I'm trying to think of like the i'm trying to think of the wording yeah but so Le- levittown if you're familiar with levittown yeah. in pennsylvania was the first real mm-hmm. like development yeah suburban development which was it was considered first yeah before they they ended up there yeah and uh yeah they're they're just the idea of them was just to build a place especially after the war with everybody coming back yeah. everybody having families that uh, could be close to the city, and these yeah. people wouldn't have to pay city taxes, and mm-hmm. wouldn't have, you know, it, but they could also experience that kind of country life. Yeah, even though they had a small area with their little yard, and they can enjoy it like a that. Manufactured so, yeah. community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More or less. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like that makes yeah. sense. Like Halloween is a great movie. Like I said about a bunch of people who live in a suburb and think that everything in their town is fine, um, and the whole time it's covering up the fact that someone was murdered here, and he's coming back for more. Right. You mean uh, Nightmare on Elm Street? No, Halloween. Or Halloween. Yes. I guess it's both. The thing about Halloween is the scariest scene in Halloween is not Michael Myers killing people. It's when Jamie Lee Curtis runs out of the house and she runs up to a neighbor's door and is banging for help and the lights turn on. And then she's like, please, I'm being chased by someone and the lights go off. Yeah. Because the people can't be bothered to help because it might inconvenience them. Right. Confession. I never saw Halloween. Halloween is <laughs> great. Halloween's I, I should watch it, but I've yeah. never seen yeah. it. Yeah. It's, really it's like it was made for like ten dollars. It's great. Right. <laughs> it's my favorite time to, when like last Halloween, like I did like a Halloween marathon, and it's great because you know, you started at seven o'clock, seven PM, you start with Halloween one, great movie. Then you're getting a little tired. So what you what do you do? You watch Halloween two, which is uh, like Halloween one's like what, two hours? Halloween so, one is like eighty five minutes. Halloween one's 85 minutes. Yeah. So, okay, maybe start at 8 o'clock. So you're starting Halloween 2 by, like, 9.30. You go right to sleep. You'll <laughs> go right to sleep. Because Halloween 2 is the so bad. snooze. It's, like, it's just such a snoozer movie. Like, mm-hmm. in so many quiet, no music, no sound effects, just, like, people walking in a hallway of a hospital. And you will right, fall asleep. Right. It's great. It's yeah. awesome. The, the point being to loop back is that so many filmmakers are interested in this personification of suburbia. Yeah. That it is just a cover up for, you know, kind of the dirtiness of humanity. Or like the movie I just mentioned earlier, Vivarium, does yeah. the exact same thing. Not not the best mm. movie, but still, I think yeah. worth the watch if you're interested in that sort of um, mm. metaphor. And uh, the next sequence that occurs um, very much goes to my point is because like all the housewives meet on the corner at like high noon to talk about this right. new person in the town. Yeah. And then we basically cut to nighttime and they're still on the corner all talking to each other. <laughs> right. It's not till all the cars start coming yeah. home, which are the husbands yes, coming home right. from work when they all disperse yeah. back to their homes. But you also have the one um, woman that's the religious fanatic. Yes. Yeah. 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 
who comes um, in later and will um, and she'll be like the first outsider interaction yeah. really that Edward gets besides she, the family. And she thinks Edward is the spawn of the devil. Right. right. But I love I love when they introduce her and she's at her organ and she's going and she's yeah. playing Christmas carols along. Yeah, she's too. playing yeah. Christmas yeah. carols. Religious Christmas, Christmas carols, too. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because it's um I actually wrote down which one it was. Cause she's playing oh God. Star of Wonder on the synthesizer. Really good. Really good. But I, I like that when all the husbands come back, it is it feels like machinery. Yeah. Like you know, it's drawing a comparison between like the machinery that the that Vincent Price cre- has created and just how this town is itself a very manufactured idea. Yeah. That all the husbands come back at the exact same time, all their cars pull into the garages in sync. Um, and the second wave comes in and pulls in the garages next to it. It's a trick Burton's going to do again in Big Fish. A few years later, he does this exact same sequence. Yeah. Um, like, it's just all the husbands come back and they all pull in at the same time. But it's very effective to just show how manufactured this town is, that this is not, like, a real place. Yeah. Um, and I think Alan Arkin's performance <laughs> very oh, much man. <laughs> exemplifies. Yeah. Love Alan Arkin. How you doing, Ed? <laughs> so, how are you? <laughs> Eddie. Oh. I think he goes by Edward. <laughs> One thing we didn't mention, speaking of the town, is, and I remember Scott making a um, comment about it for Beetlejuice, is the miniature set yes. at the beginning, oh, which yes. is fantastic, yes. which oh, I yeah. imagine they had to use because they didn't want to cover the entire town in snow, mm-hmm. right. so they used a the miniature, but that was a wonderful scene, too. But the, the little quick bit where, where she adjusts the side mirror, she sees like the, the manor oh, the, on the hill. Yeah. It was actually a miniature held up on a C-stand, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. which I think yeah. is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think, uh, do we, did we talk about the makeup scene? Um, we talked about like the beginning of, but we haven't really gone into it. Right. Yeah. Cause it's after he like tries to get the clothes yeah. on and has some problems, rips a hole and is there a, uh, it's just, it's an alarm going off. Oh, it, it's okay. off now. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, then we get that makeup scene where she tries to like put on different types of makeup, mm-hmm. haze, foundations, covering it up. And I love Johnny Dust's performance during this. Cause like. He changes his facial expressions just so yeah. minutely to where you understand how he's feeling, though, during that. Because especially when she's like, you know what? I'm just going to put a whole paste over. Yeah, your she's face. like, he keeps right. trying new experiments and none of them are working. Yeah. Um, And I like how the scene shot. It's very it's like dead on for both of them. It's a wide angle lens because it like really feels like yeah. his face is like. Because the thing I like is like when it's Diane Weiss coverage, essentially the camera's right here. Um, to the listener home, um, I'm holding my hand in front of my face. Um, and so it must just be Diane Weiss looking into a camera lens and just waving her hands right, with various... Right. It's the first um, ASMR video. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then when it cuts to Edward, it must just be Diane Weiss like crouching beneath the camera and sticking her hands up in his face and trying to... Yeah. Um, so I, I think that the sloppiness of how she's putting it on is very much like almost a happy accident because like she probably can't see very well from yeah. the positions he's in trying to get stuff on his face. Right. Yeah. Which um, adds to the humor and also the, the point of the scene. Well, and it's also important to note yeah. that like she, she isn't able to cover, cover yeah. up his scars very that, well. That she's very well meaning, but in somewhat, um, I don't want to say incompetent, but incapable mm-hmm. and kind of portraying by slopping on at the end that, it's going to take a lot to cover this yes. up, and we're just going to resort to sloppiness and yeah. put as much as we can to cover it up. Because even yeah. because by the end of the movie, like her, she's incapable of um, making him making him fit in, of making him quote unquote normal. Mm-hmm. 
and is like, well, maybe it's best if he just leaves. And I failed at doing what I could. And we're seeing that, you know, eventual fruit, um, you know, be seeded right now. Yeah, right. Uh, so I, I think it's a dinner scene after that, yes. isn't it? Yeah, and that's when Alan Arkin is like... I love how nonplussed Alan Arkin is by yeah. everything in this movie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's just like kind of beaten down. So <laughs> in the interview I was watching, it Alan Arkin does have a short bit. Yeah. And the question is like, tell us a little bit about, about your character. And it cuts to Alan Arkin. He's like... He's just a barbecue dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Alan Arkin is playing like a guy in this movie who I truly believe has basically no independent thought. <laughs> like he just kind of is like, yes, dear. Just sits there. He goes to work. He comes home. He eats dinner. He goes to bed. Um, kind of lives like the life of a goldfish. Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, just kind of cycling through these situations. <laughs> And I love, I'm, I rip to the legend. I like Alan Arkin a lot. Um, and I think this is kind of, this is kind of his best type of comedy work when he is just really just, all right, whatever. All right, I'll do it. Fine. Go. Yeah, aloof and dry. Yeah. That's his dry. Yeah. yeah. What were the big, like Alan Arkin things um, that you remember from this time? What was to be like- honest, I, I knew of Alan Arkin, but I Really didn't see him in too many movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember him in um, Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah. And he kind of played the same kind of character in there. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just, um, it, he doesn't have to have good lines. Mm-hmm. He just, whatever he says, it's yeah. just, deli- like Will yeah. Ferrell, you, you can tell Will Ferrell to say your sandwich is ready and he'll say it and you'll laugh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stuart, have you seen Tim Burton's Dumbo? Not yet. You did you see the Dumbo? Yeah, yeah. Like um, it. it's not great. Um, there's one Alan Arkin is that's like a Tim Burton reunion movie. He has mm-hmm. Alan Arkin, Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito. Um, a lot of his old guys come back for that movie, and Alan Arkin delivers one of the least committed performances I've ever <laughs> seen in a movie. But it makes the end because like the not like a huge spoiler, but like there's a part where essentially this massive construction that they've built is like in flames and everything's like falling <laughs> apart. And Michael Keaton is losing his shit. He's like flipping out doing like a great Michael Keaton losing his mind moment. Mm-hmm. And Alan Arkin just walks. And he's like, this is a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, he basically is like, if the script is right in front of him, he's like, this is a disaster. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, if you watch that movie, it's one of the hardest times I've laughed in recent years watching a movie. Because I was like, Alan Arkin just is like, I'm just going to say the lie and see what happens. That's, that's great. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> But he's doing that to a lesser extent here, and it's it's more textual in this movie than yeah. in Dumbo, where it's just him being like, "Fine, I'll say the freaking line." Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, and Kim Winona Ryder is not home yet. Yes, she's she does out. not show up until thirty-five minutes into the movie. Yeah, because she's out with some friends at the mountains. In the mountains, that's just a a saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, just out in some mountains. <laughs> Well, I we talked about this in uh, what movie did we cover? Where it was maybe it was Heather's, where it was like just the idea back in like eighties and even early nineties when you could go up to any household with kids, knock on the front door, so to be like, "Where are your kids right now?" Like, uh, I don't know, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just in some mountains. <laughs> <laughs> They're in the mountains. Like, and again, they mentioned the mountains. Like every every area has the mountains near them. Um, but it also kind of makes me think that this movie not only doesn't have a specific place, yeah, like yeah. we don't know where this is 
in the States. There's no specific time in this. Yeah. It's more or less a um, a, a, a idealist yeah. time. Yeah. So it has the 50s architecture and the 50s colors. It's more like 60s colors. But if you go inside the house, there's the Herculean sofa. There's a starburst clock, yeah. which is more 70s. The clock 60s of sofa 70s. Yeah. Um, and then you go to the castle. It's steampunk inside. Yeah. Uh, Vincent Price, who we haven't got to yet is very Victorian. So mm-hmm. was, was he created in a Victorian time, has been living up there for a hundred years. So we, there's almost no, it's a, it's a movie time out of place. time. Yeah. yeah. Which always there's, whenever a movie does that trick of like trying to appear out of time, it does help the longevity of the movie. Cause it never True, dates yeah. itself. Yeah. yeah. You could be like, well, this could be set now. This could be set 20 years ago. Um, and it helps like, when you watch a movie and it's like the character begins like it is 1955 and you're like, all right, this is set yeah. in 1955. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and speaking of 1955, moving back to what you were saying about the mountains, I real, I always find it funny that Marty McFly's big motivation in the first back to the future is he wants a truck, not because he wants the truck, because he needs a truck to put some sleeping bags in to drive up to the mountains for the weekend. Yes. <laughs> big motivation in that movie is he wants to go to the mountain. The bar is high. On yeah, yes. He's, he's, he, t- he travels through time so that he can get a truck to go to the mountains. Yes. With, with his girlfriend, which we never see him accomplish. Um, nope. Presumably that happens the day after the, the ending of the third one. Yeah, probably. Uh, Back to the Future Part 4. Um Marty goes to the mountains. <laughs> Gets eaten by a cougar. I don't know. Um, it's great. Yeah. Uh, so I think this is when we get the first flashback, right? Uh, because oh, he, right, because she's they're cooking something. Yes, and he sees like a can opener. Yes, and that triggers him to yeah. like seeing all this stuff, machinery from the manor. Um, and I think they do a match cut there to the. Robot. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They do a match cut to that, and that's where we see like the 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 dough mm-hmm. getting formed. Yeah, because he's he sees them cooking because all the ladies of town insist that um, they're gonna do a barbecue. Diane Weiss throw a bar. You're gonna have a barbecuing, <laughs> or that she has a barbecue for everyone to meet Ed. No, I'm yeah. gonna Edward. bring the ambrosia salad. <laughs> the ambro- <laughs> I googled ambrosia salad and it looks quite good. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I must confess um, that uh, she makes um, that they're they're prepping something, and that's the can opener is what triggers it. And you yeah. see a can opener open up a thing of like pink gloop, yeah, um, which drops into a. Um, a Rube Goldberg machine of cookie design and making. And it's the same machine we saw during the opening credits, except now we track the entire development of the cookie process, which is it's, it's, it goes in like the gloop goes into a bowl and then an egg gets cracked. It's like the opening of Pee Wee. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Very yeah. much the yep, same yep. design. Um, then the little like robot hands go in and mix it up and. There's some um, legs that are cookie stomp. cutters, yeah, that are completely missing the the batter. Yeah. Like there, <laughs> yeah. there's there's enough batter for you know twenty cookies, and they get four out of it. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, or ugh, the waste of batter. Yeah, <laughs> but I like that we track it. Um, you you kind of just want the pee wee music to start hitting, and yeah. <laughs> um, we'll talk about Danny Elfman in a bit. But oh, we yes, track we will. track the process to the end. Um. And the cookies come out, and that's when we meet Vincent Price for the first time. Yes. Um, in his final film performance. Yeah. This is the last movie he ever did. Yeah, yeah. So um, so Vincent Price, so he was, his movie career was a little before my time. Yeah. 
But in my time, he was um, he was more of an icon, a celebrity. Yeah. And uh, he was known for his voice. He was known for being in horror movies. Um, he made a. He was always in the public eye on TV. Yeah. In one form, whether TV commercial, um, he did voiceovers. Um, he did. I mean, he did uh, Thriller, right? That's him. He, yeah, he's yeah. in Thriller. He's mm-hmm. in uh, Alice Cooper's uh, TV special, Welcome to My Nightmare. Mm-hmm. I think he was in Scooby Doo. Um, he was in Hollywood Squares. He was mm-hmm. in Center Square for a couple of years. I forget how long. And he also recorded the narration for Phantom Manor, which is the haunted mansion in Disneyland Paris. Mm-hmm. And uh, they put it in. They realized it's all in English. Yeah. <laughs> so they pulled it out and they put a Parisian one. And apparently within the last 10 years, maybe, they put they combined the two. Okay. So he's in there now and and the French one as well. Very cool. But uh, yeah, he was, he was an interesting character. And um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he was he was just like an icon. Yeah, I really um, because Ed Wood shares some DNA <clears throat> with this movie, and I really like how much care and affection Tim Burton has for these like legends of old horror Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because right. like Bella Lugosi at the end of his life was not as you know well regarded as Ed Wood kind of portrays him as. That's a movie about like rediscovering a love for Bella Lugosi. And having some respect for this old man who had done, who'd you know been an icon of cinema and fell into hard times and um, ended up basically killing himself. Yeah. Um, and through this, he's like giving Vincent Price like one final very reverent role and kind of love for how much he, you know, gave to Tim Burton. Because if you look at Edward as an analog for Tim Burton, then basically what he's saying is Vincent Price's work created me. Yeah. I was created by Vincent Price, and I'm letting him have this moment in this movie to represent that. Well, and he also had his, his short I was of Vincent. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. about to say that, yeah. yeah, about his short Vincent. And so, which he sent to Vincent Price and I think believe in a way to pitch him to hop on to mm-hmm. scissor right, hands. Right. Uh, and it was great because Vincent also gives an interview um, for this role. And, you know, he just talks about how much he loves the story. Yeah. He's very flattered with, you know, talking to Tim Burton. And it was really having a hard time physically during that movie, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. And died shortly after it. I'm know? kind of a sucker for sad old man performances. Yeah, me too. Um, like, I like Martin Landau in Ed Wood um, as Bella. Um, basically, John any movie where there's, like, kind of just, like, the sad old man. Yeah. John um, Travolta loves song for Bobby Long. He's not old yeah. enough in that. <laughs> right. He's not nearly old enough in that movie. You can, John Travolta at the age of, like, 54 cannot pull the... Can Fraser tug the my heartstrings. <laughs> <laughs> um, like uh, you, like uh, Harrison Ford has a big sad old man career in him, and I know it's coming. <laughs> you got to get the sad old man movie. What, um, is he already doing a sad old man? I mean, Blade Runner is kind of his sad old man movie. Indiana um, Jones: Dial of Destiny. That's also his sad, sad old, old man, man movie. Um, but Star Wars: Sad old yeah. man. But the, I, I like Vincent Price a lot in this movie. Yeah, he's, he's great. very charismatic. Yeah, it, just in general, he's a very charismatic. Mm-hmm sort of positive person. It's kind of weird. If, you know, yeah. He was associated with horror movies. Yeah. Um, but and he was a dramatic actor yeah. before the horror movies, and that's that's what made his career was the horror but movies. But like we barely... He's basically only in this movie for like three scenes, I think. Yeah. There's like three flashbacks with him, and yet all three... And yet he manages to establish such a presence in those three scenes. Yeah. It feels like there's more of him in the movie. Like if he feels like such a vital, essential character... For how minimal his screen time ultimately is. Right. Well, he's a very unique 
Dr. Frankenstein. Yes. In a way. Like, but his own. He just, he desperately wants a human connection and a human touch. And not just, a, not just that, but he wants to, I, 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 cause he, one thing that the movie does very well that I think is important to note is he, he intended Edward to look very different than what he does now, that he's unfinished, that it wasn't that Vincent Price made him deliberately to look like the way he did as a monster. It's that, no, 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 no. Like he, and he even has a flashback scene where he's going to give him real hands right, and then he, right. he dies. So it's interesting that like he wasn't intending to create a monster. He's intending yeah. to create a person. And that's where we get that scene where he's reading what was it, like a code of ethics or something? He's just reading a book entitled Ethics. Yeah, he's just <laughs> yeah. reading yeah. ethics to him. Like, he's try- not just trying to create, like, a person to be his, like, you know, mm-hmm. connection, but he wants to do it right. Too. This is this is kind of off topic, but last night we went to go see Poor Things. Yeah. Right, um, right. It was the new Yorgos Lanthimos oh, movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's actually a sequence in that where Bella, who is the Emma Stone, is, like, kind of created human in that movie. Yeah. It's a slightly different house. She's a Frankenstein monster. She's a Frankenstein monster. Willem Dafoe of is, sorts, yeah. of sorts, yeah. is the Dr. Frankenstein monster. Yeah. yeah. But she's there is a scene in that where she's also just walking around with a book entitled Ethics. <clears throat> nice. Um, I, I, that's I, probably an homage. Yeah, I and think. I think yeah. it might might yeah. be something of an Edward Scissorhands connection. But it was a New York Times bestseller. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think it's interesting uh, with not just uh, this movie and not just with Poor Things, but in any movie where you're talking about like making another person through unnatural means mm-hmm. it, it, there's always that that interesting question of like what do you teach them moral yeah. ethics wise yeah. and so that's where it's it's always like with the classic frankenstein mm-hmm. movies versus the newer ones movies that deal with cloning or things like that mm-hmm. so there's always like a scene somewhere where it's like okay like we're going to talk about ethics and morals like yeah. this is what you sh- we should do which the commentary on it is that person's telling them what their version of it is yeah that's what and we get that in this movie with the dinner scene where alan arkin's like yeah you find you find a briefcase full of money what do you do with oh, it right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and they have that argument at the dinner yeah. table um i can't recall so there is they kind of um they they kind of present it as he's made from that one round kind of robot machine yes because yeah. we keep going i think it's cylindrical around or something I didn't know. Does that have scissor hands? That robot? I don't. Th- I think it might be like the batter okay. shaker. Because I, I, I was trying to figure out um, why would he give him scissors for hands? Yeah, and that, that's always bothered me. Is like, why would you make a creature and like make these elaborate scissors for temporary hands? Right. Unless they served a purpose in another form, and that's why I was wondering. I always meant to go back and and see those scenes to see if one of those robots. You know, had it, had, had it. You know, and he just gradually changed it. Well, there's that, there's that image of like the diagrams of all the creations of how they evolve and how they start. And it's the the weird one is where it ends on what Edward's hands looks like currently, and then what he's supposed to look like after, which is a normal guy, right? right. Supposed to look normal. The jarring difference of it is very weird. Like, how do you get from the like? I had the same question before the black leather outfit. Where does the black leather outfit like? come into play right because it kind of has some like machinery on the outside of it yeah and again a a, like 80s or 90s goth leather outfit and in this victorian environment right it's almost to say like because and this was also a thing where it's like he's not quite a robot but he's also not like a reanimated human he's like a homunculus of some kind yeah yeah And, and so it's weird so it's like what's under like the leather just machinery or is it just skin or organs like whatever okay. it might be. I found this is the robot that he's based on which does have scissors. Oh it hands. does. Okay. So that that makes more sense now. Yeah. 
Right. So it, it is just, it is very interesting uh, to think about like the evolution of it and then going from what scissor hands currently looks like to human and just that stark difference that right, right. looks very normal and casual. Yeah. It seems like there should almost be an in-between stage there. Right, but, right. Yeah, it's weird. And it gives him a cookie for a heart. Yes. Yeah. There is this, um, there's a, this one part of the robot machine. Um, I don't remember what it is, but anytime I watch this movie, I can only think about how much it looks like the toy from Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. the exact same um, facial structure with like the mouth in the same position. Yeah. Um, nice. I just wanted to bring say that because it's been in my craw for like <laughs> ten years. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's Did you see awesome. how quickly she slipped that in there? I didn't even notice yeah. it. Thank you, wherever you went. <laughs> um. Uh, the other thing uh, we were talking about the ethics book. Uh, he reads poetry too. Yes, doesn't he? Because he? Yeah. he said he eventually says like, uh, "All right, this is boring. Let's yeah. do poetry." Right, uh, right. Kind of spawns his artistic interests. Well, yeah. that that's kind of in. Um, again, Vincent Price also was a major art collector. He mm-hmm. collected a lot of art, and he also believed in uh, accessibility to art for yeah. the general public. So he created. I shouldn't say created. He curated collections of art to be sold. Affordably through Sears, yeah. So oh, that's you, awesome. yeah. Wow. So you could buy paintings for a hundred, two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. That were good pieces of art. They weren't just mass-produced junk. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I, in my business, I see them pop up every once in a while, um, and I think he donated to a museum somewhere. But that's he, awesome. yeah, he was always uh, a promoter of the arts. So mm-hmm. that kind of that it finds its way into yeah, the exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. And it's interesting that, yeah, like you said, he, he spawns the creative side of him, too. Yeah. He's not just yep. trying to make him like a, a cold, calculating, ethical robot. Yeah. But, right, you know, right. one that has interests and feelings. And because he even like, this ethics stuff is boring. Let's talk about art. Yeah. Um, right. Which, you know, spawns what happens to Edward later. He's a romantic. Yeah. And he's, right. a, he's an artist, yeah. physical artist to sculpture. Yeah. Um, but the next scene we do, this is when we finally meet Winona proper in the movie. Um, uh, yeah. Are we at the barbecue? No, because the barbecue happens after she comes back, doesn't it? Mm, maybe. I mean, I don't think it matters either way. Yeah. So, because I think uh, the basic structure is that, um, you know, he goes to bed that night, and he sleeps. He's sleeping in Kim's bed. Yes, the water bed. Um, that's and, not leaking. Somehow. And seemingly well, the parents, the, the stuffed animal fixed yeah. it. Right, the yeah. stuffed animal fixed <laughs> and it. And seemingly the parents don't <coughs> expect her to be home that night. Um, but like a van with flames, and it looks like the freaking Scooby. <laughs> yeah. It looks like the Scooby. The mystery, machine, the mystery yeah, machine yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. pulls up. Um, uh, and so we meet Anthony Michael Hall as Jim and Winona as Kim. Yeah. Um, heat check. How are we feeling so, about Anthony Michael Hall in this movie? Horrible. Awful. <laughs> Um, so uh, again, um, I was around when Sixteen Candles came out. He was rusty in the original Vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, weird science. He always played the the nerdy guy. Yeah. So here he is. I think he might have done another kind of tougher guy or straighter guy um, movie before this. Um, I think he just tried to oversell it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The pursing of the lips and the eyes, like. Who in their right mind would want to hang with this guy yeah. or date this guy? Yeah. He was just he was just over the top and stiff. He would just stay his line, purse his lips, and just stand there and stare. Yeah. He's like he's yeah. like you said, he's a nerd who's trying to be a jock in this movie, and yeah. it doesn't work. Exactly. You, you yeah. need like yeah. an actual jock to play this role. Yeah. 
Like, you almost need, like, a Robert Downey Jr. from 1969 <laughs> to just right. play this role. Honestly, yeah. Or um, Kiefer Sutherland. And yeah. he later joined uh, Saturday Night Live cast. Anthony Michael Hall? Yeah, I didn't yeah he was on that. there for, uh, I, th- I think it might have been the uh, Eberhardt years. And he's still going nowadays. Um, uh, this isn't recent, but he was in The Dark Knight. Um, and then most recently, he was That's in, right, The Dark Knight, I remember. Yeah, yeah. he's the, the newscaster who gets kidnapped by the Joker. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Um, whose name I am forgetting. But he was recently in Halloween Kills, uh, the new, the second most recent Halloween movie, where oh, he basically yeah. plays like an alt right guy who <laughs> gets the entire town rallied against Michael Myers. That's it's, awesome. That That's... movie is very funny. That's the secret of that movie. Is it's basically a comedy about a town turning to far right conservatism to take down Michael Myers, and they all get killed for it. That's awesome. Um, but um, he has kind of figured out his niche nowadays, which is back to playing like losers and dorks and and he was very good he was very promising in the roles he did do this just wasn't the role for him yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. good actor just yeah um that was a miss made a wrong choice yeah uh so yeah the van opens up and uh, winona even gives a line it's like i told you you should have called your parents that we were coming early um and so then she 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 sneaks inside the house yeah and that's where we get the scene where she like essentially almost starts to like undress. undress. Yeah. yeah, she doesn't. I mean, she doesn't go to nudity. She just takes her shirt off and she's in a, a very clingy shirt. Yeah. And I remember seeing that like, and to me it said, "Hey, I'm an adult now." Yeah. 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 So and uh, I think and and the background, uh, Ed is just like, I mean, he's not literally <laughs> clinging onto the yeah. sheets, but if he could cling onto the sheets, yeah. it's almost like what he's doing. He's just like, oh, <laughs> uh, that's what she sees him, and I love the shot that goes after in the hallway because it lasts for a while when Kim freaks out and starts screaming yeah, bloody right, murder. Right. And he pops the waterbed um, multiple yeah, times. It's, it's like yeah. the, the long delayed joke you know is going to happen. Yeah. It's, right. a, it's a, one of the most, like you just, the second the waterbed is introduced and you're like, this thing's going to explode. Like, yeah, yeah. If he'd, it'd be malpractice for him not to have this waterbed explode later in the, the movie. movie should be tanked if it didn't yeah. explode. <laughs> like, uh, but then it cuts to this hallway shot where all the action seemingly happens, where the parents rush out. And then the kid come. Uh, Kevin walks out. And he's like really tired, and immediately uh, the parents know what's going on. It's like, oh okay, like no, 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 no. Like it's fine. And Edward then like walks out. Robot moon. It's just right, like right. he like because he's having like a panic attack essentially at this moment. And then mm-hmm. Alan Arkin like turns like no, 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 Ed, this way, this way. Yeah. Um, I like that Diane Weiss is like running in like, don't worry. Well, it's fine. This is Edward. He's a nice guy. And Alan Arkin's <laughs> like, oh, I don't know. I'm awake or something. Like, Come on, let's go down to the basement. <laughs> let's go down to the basement. He's like, he gives him a, a glass of whiskey. Yeah, um, and, and he can't. Where it sucks through a straw. Yeah, he yeah. Sucks it through a straw. <laughs> Sounds like the worst thing ever. But he had no. He, yeah, he had no option. You know. Yeah, right. I like uh, that he suspends the next thing. And go. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "What is it? It's lemonade." Because <laughs> in the next scene, yeah. when she's like, "Do you want any lemonade?" Barbecue, he's like, yep. "Yeah." yeah. <laughs> they, they bring Winona down to the basement to like introduce her to him. Yeah. Um, formally after he terrified her. Yeah. Um, and she's like, how are you? And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> bad first surprise falls to the ground. Yeah. Passes out. Uh, and I think we, you know, I think the, I, th- I think the barbecue scene was before this because the next scene that cuts to after is he's hedging, he's trimming hedges already okay so we at this point maybe we went slightly out of order but yeah. we can talk about the barbecue barbecue scene essentially like the everybody's there um except for kim and 
they're introducing Ed around to everybody. And everybody yeah. who talks to Ed, they... They're all fascinated by him. They're all fascinated by him. Um, the one that part that stuck out to me was like there were a group of older guys. It's like, right, right, uh, right, hey, yeah. Ed, you, you want to come over and play a card game with us on the weekends? It's like, oh, yeah, sure. It's like, all right, great. Just just remember, you know, you can't cut the deck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, man, that was good. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was good. I don't, I don't even have to do it. You have it all queued up. I have it all queued up, Jeff. Wow. So it's all good. <laughs> it's all ready to go. <laughs> yes. Um, but immediately, like, all the women start having an interest in him. Yeah. Um, for the most part, it's like kind of an object of fascination, uh, except for Kathy Baker Joyce, who is having like he sexual could be a sexual, fascination. a That's... sexual fantasy. This is like an interesting uh, experiment for me. Because she's married. She has a yeah. husband, but it's who we the, never meet. Right. We meet once in the barbecue scene. Okay. Because she comes in with him. I think that's the only scene where we where the other men of the town like have lines. Is the barbecue. I think that that's that is we don't see them again. Pretty sure that's except true. for like in crowd shots. Yeah. Where they're like they're chasing it out of the town or the, which even when they chase him out of town, it's still just the housewives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm forgetting chronologically. Was the scene where he's sculpting with the kids in the treehouse? Is that before or after this? I also I think, think that's before. It, okay. Yeah, it must be before. Um, so in that scene, um, unless I'm missing it, so Alan Arkin's out there clipping. And yeah. He sees Edward, you know, clipping with his hands. And the boys put on a baseball game. Yeah. So I was trying to figure out what the purpose of that is. To me, I, the only purpose I see is when the guy on the radio or whatever must hit a home run or something. Yeah is when the music goes up and the, the, the applause goes up and Edward's revealing yeah. his masterpiece. I don't know if that was the setup or if there was other, some other relevance to the father listening to the baseball game. I kind of think it is just that the build Burton up. was trying to think of an interesting way to okay. show pride in Edward's creation. Right. And Alan Arkin's not going to be the one to go, whoa, that's a great job, Ed, and clap for it. <laughs> because there's almost no outside influence in anything in this yeah. movie. Except yeah. for the and baseball. When you, yeah, when you hear the baseball and when they go in town to the, mm -hmm. to the shop, but there's almost no there's almost no influence. You don't know if there's yeah, a no war world. going on. You don't know what's in the news. It's you know, yeah. it's, it's very it's a real bubble. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. But I, I do very much like that that's just like a real filmmaking choice. To yeah. feel like, all right, we're gonna put a baseball game on so that when, you know, the home run applause breaks up, we can cut to Edward with his dinosaur that he's created out yeah. of the hedge. And it's the discovery of like, oh my god, Ed is like really good at trimming hedges. Yes. He's like really good at it. That's cool. Because then there's the barbecue. Yeah. He eats the ambrosia salad. It looks good. Um, yes. That uh, Tim Burton said in an interview that was one of two times uh, Johnny Depp had to puke on set. Yes. First time was when yeah. he had to do like four takes of eating the ambrosia salad. Yeah. And then the second one was when he had to run from the police. Yeah. Because like he's, well, if I think it was, wasn't just the ambrosia salad, wasn't then Joyce put it in his mouth and yeah. all the other, all the other housewives start yeah, shoving things. Shoving in yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Because they filmed this in Florida in the summer. <laughs> and he's in a leather, he's in a leather and outfit. He's in a yeah. tight leather yeah. outfit. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you had to do it to him. I had to do it to him. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So we we covered we covered that. Yeah, we covered bit, the barbecue. Winona comes house, back. Winona comes back. the The next thing after that is just, uh, it's more or less like twenty business. minutes of montage. Yeah, business of him becoming famous in the town. He starts trimming the hedges. Eventually, he starts trimming, trimming the dogs. dogs. And then he starts giving haircuts to the women. And then he goes to the salon thing. He becomes a celebrity at yeah. this point. 
And but I like that all of his art, especially the dogs and the haircuts, mm. are so unique. Yeah, they're 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 not like a traditional Burton cover dog. Yeah, they're Burton esque. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One lady literally has a square. Yeah. Yeah, and haircut like, yeah, with like ribbons cr- yeah. and all that yeah. stuff. But like, Pete, they're really into it. Yeah, and like the women like that. This and the people of the town like this new art style that's coming into their kind of blase town. And it yeah. actually kind of introduces nonconformity yeah. to them yeah. who who are who yeah. conform. Yeah. They, except for Joyce, she's got a unique style. I don't know if you noticed, she has pink toilet paper. I did not notice yeah. that. I noticed There's that. There's a scene where that she's so fashionable, she actually has pink toilet paper. <laughs> oh my that's god. Awesome. Yeah. And that um, is cool. Because a movie that's kind of has a similar conceit is Pleasantville. Um where right, right. which is they go into a 50s TV show and they start bringing color to it. Yeah. It's kind of like that but with Edward, you know, bringing nonconformist art to the town. And thing and right. people start acting differently um until such time as they think it's um offending their way of life. Right. That's when they turn on him. Yeah, because then the, honestly the next bit that I can remember like the big scene yeah. Is the TV show appearance? Yes. Uh, is there anything before that that is like? Is it, uh, it's just like the hair, the dog, the haircuts, all that stuff. So does he go in town for the loan before that or after? It's that? after I think this. It's after okay. Okay. because this is where he gets the idea of owning the, the salon. Yeah, the salon is after. The bank is after. The Joyce backroom scene is after. Yeah. yeah. Because he's on the TV show, and this feels like the most like modern Burton um, kind of touch to this movie. Modern is as in like I, like to, like this feels like something that Tim Burton is remember saying like is from his life at the moment that he makes this movie. Yeah, is he doesn't seem like a guy who's really like that passionate being on talk shows, right? And they're kind of just parading him about on these television shows to kind of show how weird he is. Again, then, not so much a teenage reflection, but his yeah, filmmaking like a, reflection. Like this, this feels like something Tim Burton saying. Um, this sequence feels like. When I was promoting Batman, they would haul me out to all these TV shows and people and the newscasters and then the people in the audience would be like, wow, look at how weird this guy is. He's interesting. Just such a weirdo. And it's less like they're not interested in talking to me. They're interested in kind of just gawking at how weird I am. Studying me. Yes. Yeah. And a little note in there. So the, the TV show he's on is the host is John Davidson, mm-hmm. who was a heartthrob. I'm not going to say old, but older. Yeah. He wasn't like a teen. Um but he was always known for the swoop of the hair. He had yeah. that, that nice Glen Campbell kind of hair that came across. Mm-hmm. And in this, they gave him a perm. Yeah. Which is <laughs> which, which is very unusual. So he had yeah. a perm, which is very 70s. And these types of shows were pretty prominent yeah. in the 70s. Yeah. And yeah. I just thought that was kind of humorous to yeah. see him walk around with that perm. Yeah. Right. It, one thing that I wanted to point out that's it's reoccurring. I think I know what you're about to say. Is I know a doctor who yes, can help you. Yes, who can help you. you. Yeah. That because it happens like once beginning yeah. in the barbecue scene where one of the jo- um, Diane Weist offers it at the beginning, and I then it's at the does. barbecue. Yeah, and then it's then at it's the barbecue. Here. Then I think it happens here. one more time somewhere. Yeah, but people keep like being like, "I know a doctor could help you." He's like, "I'd like to meet them," and then no one ever follows up. <laughs> yeah, on it I, I guess like to analyze that point, to me, it's like the point of which is again, it's all these people who are fascinated in studying him, but not yeah. actually. Yeah. They'll helping. pay lip service to helping They'll him. They'll pay lip service to helping him, yes. Yeah. But they won't actually like go out of their way to do anything. Hence why everyone says they know a doctor who can help him, but does he ever get connected with a doctor no. in the movie? No. He never does. He never gets help. Yeah. And it, But then the question then gets asked in the same scene of like... If you thought about opening a salon. Well, I was going to say like, if you fixed your hands, don't you feel like that's going to take away what makes you special? 
You'd be like right, everybody yeah. else. Yeah, you'd be like yeah. everybody else. Exactly. And, and he's like, that seems fine to me. Yeah, and Diane Weist immediately cuts in. It's like Ed. Ed will always be special. Mm-hmm. Will always be special. Um, I'm sure that's how Tim Burton felt with his mom as a kid. That feels very pointed to. That his mom would always say, like, you're you're special, you'll always be special no matter what you're like. Right, yeah. Um, because he has I, a lot of affection for that character. What's the allegory for Tim Burton's filmmaking scissor hands? What what does he get rid of that makes him like everybody else? Um his kookiness? Yeah, his kookiness. Okay. Like maybe someone said, Have you ever thought about not being kooky? Yeah, like it would be have <laughs> <laughs> you ever thought about like making a normal movie? Right. Because even when Tim Burton does make like a drama, which would be like an Ed Wood or Big Eyes or Big Fish. They're still find the two of those are big. Um, they're all still very like bizarre um, in his style. Um, yeah. He's not going to just like be like, you know what? I'm just going to go make like, like Bridge a- of Spies. Yeah. <laughs> like Tim Burton's not going to do He's that. not going to make a The Post. Yeah, he's right? not making The Post. Yeah. Tim Burton's The Post. Right, yeah. And I would love to see that if he's ever interested. But it would um, take away what makes him special. Yeah. I just would be very fascinated to see him try and make like a dry newspaper drama. Spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Burton Spotlight. Tim Burton Spotlight. Yeah. Um, um, it, the yeah. scene ends with, do you have a girlfriend? And Kim and Jim are watching. watching. And Jim's like, oh, yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. Kim's like, stop it. And then it gets a very dramatic pause here because then Ed is like leaning into the microphone very slowly. He's looking at the camera like he's looking at Kim. Yeah, right. But exactly. Be- and she feels him. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. But before he can answer, he like, I guess his scissor hands touches the wiring yeah. on the mic and it explodes. Yeah. And, yeah. and he's getting rocked back and everyone laughs at how silly And An- Anthony Michael Hall overdoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it yeah. cuts to Robert Downey, or, or uh, it cuts to uh, Robert De Niro in The Joker being yeah. like, no one's laughing now. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Um, he tries to get the loan, um, but he doesn't have a social security number, uh, driver's license, or, or a line of credit. Right? Yeah. And they tell him, well, just get get those and buy a car, and then we can consider having a loan for you. Yeah. yeah. And again, uh, when he goes to get the loan, if you remember the shot of the building. Yeah. It's just a square. It's a gigantic <laughs> blank square, and it's got the door in the middle. Yeah. Again, creating emptiness. Yeah. Uh, when he goes to the police station, high ceilings, nothing on the walls. Yeah. Like, everything in here just... These are just, places of yeah, isolation. Yeah. 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 Um, I do like that the bank just has written bank. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. Um, my the next thing I'm remembering is the salon scene with Joyce. Yeah, because it is like a lot of business through this. Like we can yeah. probably, I don't want to say skip, but like kind of just brush over like 20 minutes because it is just like he cuts things. That's yeah. what he does. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Joyce scene where he, you know, he's looking at the property he's looking to buy, and Joyce is like, "We can have a line of cosmetics right here." And she's like, oh, and Peg can sell those. And Joyce is like, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, I guess that can happen. <laughs> um, and here's where I'll stand to greet the customers. Um, which um, leads to Edward just like, is thinking about how much fun this would be. And she's like, you want to see the back? He's like, yes. So they go into the back. Um, and she pulls up an apron. Um, it's like, would you like to see me model? And he's like, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, not understanding the subtext that she's asking if he would she would like to see her take all her clothes off, which she starts to do. And then I am forgetting exactly how this sequence 
plays out. It's well, like, she essentially like gets on top of him. Like she gets on top of him in the the um it's like the lean back haircut chair. Right. And, and if you think back to the barbecue, somebody says, "Oh, what they can cut or something." She says, "You can imagine what they could cut. <laughs> yeah. or what else they could cut." Yeah. And this is where the scene that scene comes to fruition. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, but then the whole thing falls over. Yes. And Ed essentially runs he out. He runs panics, out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Panic runs out. He panics because he's not like a sexual being and he's being sought after in that respect. Yeah. And Joyce kind of runs after him. It's like, Ed, you can't do that. Yeah. And then he and runs back to the diner. That's basically what turns the that, town on him. That is the turning yep. point yep. of the yep. movie it's right the there. The second he stops servicing them yeah. is when they all turn on him. Yes. And Joyce, you know, is the fire starter for that. She just starts spraying around like, he tried to rape me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it leads to Edward, you know, losing a lot of respect in the town, which gets exacerbated when um, one day he comes home and finds Kim at the door and she can't get in. He just unlocks the door with his scissor hands, a uh, yeah. thing that a guy with scissor hands would do. Yes. Um, likely place for him to be. Um, and Jim gets the idea of, oh, I can rip my parents off from their TV room. We can go steal some of that and then sell it on the market. And I think collect insurance money. If, oh, yeah. It was collect, yeah. 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 He said, my parents can collect insurance money and I can make a profit off of selling the items. Yeah. Uh, so he has, so Edward is hesitant, but Kim convinces him to come. Yeah. Um, against her own original feelings because she's starting to like him. Starting to in a very, in my opinion, not very organic way. Yeah. We know, I don't really ever feel the turn from her. Yeah. Um, it feels like you need like a little more of her getting to know him Do instead you, of just feeling sorry for him as a, um, like an object. Can I put a, like a little, little pause here? Did it have to be like a, a love interest between Winona and Johnny Depp in this movie? Couldn't it not have to been like more platonic family love? Um, it could have, but that doesn't sell as well as romance. Yeah, is is what it really comes down to. Because like when she like whispers "I love you" at the very final scene, it almost like kind of like I don't know. I just yeah. to me, I didn't really buy it. I'm like, I don't buy that I, you're in love I, with this person. I like the idea of it being a romance, but I dislike the execution. I think you need yeah. a little, you need more, she needs to come earlier in the movie and have more time to develop feelings for him. But that's supposed to be to a work. big moment. Like, yeah. that's the thing. It's like the two biggest, like, emotional oomphs in this movie is hold me, I can't, and her saying I love you. Yeah. And it's all predicated on us believing yeah. that this and thing is. It really all just comes, the ice dance does so much work in yes. this movie. Yes. To it make does. it work. Yes, it does. Um, and I do overall, like, I love the movie. It works. Um, yeah. This is just the one aspect where I'm like, you need a little more of it to make this relationship feel organic. Yeah. Well, I think at the point of the, of the uh, house robbery, I think it's not so much. She's falling in love with him as much as she's realizing that he's a good person. Yeah. With the juxtaposition of Jim. Yeah. And she's just saying he's, I don't think feeling sorry. I think it's just she's she's really feeling that he, he's a very positive person. Yeah. And uh, which will later steamroll. Because he gets, um, obviously it doesn't go well. Um, and he get, almost gets shot by the police. Except for. Um, he says, drop, drop your knives. Yeah, the people in the town are able to run out and be like, no, his knives are his hands. Yeah. Um, and he does not get shot by the police. Right. Right. But he gets taken to jail. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and that's when the parent, uh, the parents come and, uh, D- Diane, we is, uh, doing so great in the scene. Cause she's like, Oh, it's my fault. Like I, I said, I told, I said at the dinner table, how much I envy their money or whatever. Yeah. Like I put this in your head or something. Um, and so she's like, we never taught you not to steal. And yeah. that, uh, I think around this time is when, <laughs> um, Alan Arkin just says, damn those TV programs, dumb them to hell. <laughs> <laughs> like, and we watch the TV and yeah. we, like learn to rob people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then it really does. It just snowballs from here. Um, yeah, because, because it goes around the town that he had tried to rob a house. People don't want to talk to him anymore. Nobody attends the family Christmas party. Yeah, or people are not intending to come to the family Christmas party. And Edward starts getting the idea that maybe he shouldn't be here. Uh, did we skip over the uh, the first ice dance? No, I don't. I think did that it comes right. I think that comes right around this point. The one in the backyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. that, yeah. yeah right. You're right because. The same scene, he Jim comes and confronts him. Yeah, because he's only really um, doing stuff at the house now. The rest of the town has turned against him. Yeah. And so he's building a big ice sculpture in the back. Which apparently a large block of ice was delivered to his house somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> makes never quite explain yeah. how well, that ice yeah. got there. Then it makes me think at the very end of the movie when we talk about what happens at the end, where does all that come from? <laughs> it's like, it's great that he makes it snow yeah. now, but like, I'm still confused. Vincent Price's yeah. ice machine. <laughs> from Mosquito. Uh, yeah, the Mosquito Coast. <laughs> Mosquito Coast. But I, I think... At the end of the movie, you kind of accept it as fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and it works yeah, for the yeah. The movie has a it's you know it's a fairy tale, so yeah, yeah. You, you can just be like, he has a block of ice in his backyard. <laughs> it's there. It just happened. Yeah, yeah. Very um, easy. Alan Arkin just like hauled it home. Oh no, it's ice. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but um, this is the best scene of the movie. Yes, I mean it's the most it's the most iconic scene of the it's movie. The most is. iconic. Yeah. yeah, I you know what I thought of the imagery. With like the camera panning three sixty yeah. of the snow, it just and all spins that. around her. Uh, yeah. Blowout with the yeah. fireworks. It's like the fireworks at the end of Blowout when um, I say that as if those are the only two movies that have done that kind of shot. <laughs> yeah. But like it is that sustain, yeah, that style of shot that you know, and it made me it made me think of mm-hmm. Blowout in that way. And it could also be I don't, I don't know if this is a stretch. It could be a sort of a baptism for her. yeah. Ooh, um, interesting. If you think back to uh, Shawshank Redemption when he's yeah. that wonderful shot where he's out, yeah, like, he gets it's straight ahead and the rain's pouring on him. God, I'm gonna watch Shawshank Wait, today. <laughs> are you, sir? Are you talking about my friend Andy Dufresne? <laughs> <laughs> but it it could be like a baptism or or um, uh, a realization of what how she really feels about edward yeah and that yeah she's willing to let all this this pretension go and kind of just fall in love with this weirdo right which does so much work that the movie otherwise is somewhat lacking on prior to this point yeah um but it really it's the power of filmmaking that you know, you think that the script doesn't have this, but you just have one scene where a character dances in the snow and suddenly everything is fine. Like yeah. that, that fixes it all. Yeah. How does it work? I have no idea. It's just movies are weird and it does that to your psychology. Yep. Yep. Um, but this is a great moment to finally talk about the Danny Elfman score. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, which is Danny Elfman's favorite. It's his self-described favorite score he's done. He doesn't think it's his best work, but he thinks it's his favorite. Yeah. Um, I couldn't figure out what he thinks his best work is. Um, so, um, Danny Elfman, I don't know if you know his background. So in the eighties, just when, you know, punk came along and then, uh, new wave came after punk and new wave was any, almost any kind of music. And the band was called Oingo Boingo. That was his band. 
they never got much of a following. Um, I think he might have had one like semi hit on the radio, mm-hmm. and uh, they almost disappeared. And then he showed up uh, making. I think he made a couple film scores for smaller movies, but I think um, Pee Wee was his first full length. Wow. I'll yeah. find out. And he's done every, all but three uh, Burton movies. Wow. Scores, yeah. Yeah, because the three he hasn't done are Ed Wood. Um, he's, it's Ed Wood because he's grumpy that he didn't get to voice Jack Skellington in Nightmare Before oh, Christmas. Oh, that's right, yeah. Because um, he's the sing. That movie is mostly sung, and he's the singing voice for Jack Skellington, but then they replaced him with a guy whose name I'm forgetting um, for like the few scenes where Jack just talks, and he was mad about that. And he said, Tim, I'm not working on your next movie. Um, that's funny. Um, and then it's uh, Sweeney Todd because that's a musical. Yeah. And then it's Big Eyes for some reason. Um, yeah. I, I think he might have just been busy. Yeah, I don't remember too much music in Big Eyes. It's not too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think it was like an important element of the movie. So his scores are he did Forbidden Zone, Wisdom, and Summer School prior to Pee Wee and uh, Beetlejuice. And I don't think they were features. Yeah. I don't know if it said, yeah. Then, and and the thing about, especially his early scores, were very um, circus and yeah and marching band mm-hmm. influenced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you usually tell his his music. His scores always. I heard someone once describe that he's the best at making music that sounds like the character. Yeah, like his yeah. Beetlejuice score sounds like Beetlejuice. Yeah, his Batman theme. There's a reason that it's still the Batman theme that people associate. Mm-hmm. Like people, you know, love Hans Zimmer, but. People don't associate the Dark Knight score with Batman. They don't associate the Rob Pattinson score with I Batman. Still, I still do the da na 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 Yeah. <laughs> That's what I really yeah. Um, But Danny Elfman, he just has such a unique sound um, that has propelled him to a very successful career. I'm just scrolling through all of his credits right now. I mean, um, talk about like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man yeah, stuff too. The Sam Raimi Spider-Mans. Um, he did the Men in Black score. All of the Burtons, except for those three that we mentioned. Um. He did Goodwill Hunting, Flubber, Mission. He did the first Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. He did not come up with the 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 main theme because that's from the TV show. But he yeah. kind of designed the oral landscape of Mission Impossible, which still uses some of his cues to this day. Um, but just very a, a very prolific career. Um, he also did the Simpsons theme. Oh, Have okay. you seen the video of him at Coachella, at Coachella performing the Simpsons theme? No. I have pulled it up because it is one of my favorite videos. <laughs> um, two years ago, Danny Elfman uh, played Coachella. You connect to the Bluetooth, Jeff. And this is... No. Did he play Coachella as like an Oingo Boingo thing? Just or as like himself. Just he himself. like did okay. his scores and some of his songs. But okay. this is like he did Nightmare Before Christmas. This is um, how it goes. It's just... Jeff, you can connect to the Bluetooth. I'm not connecting to the Bluetooth. He's just like shirtless, covered in tattoos. I'm looking for. Yeah. (laughs) He's just like, they bust out a full rock band and they just do a metal cover of the Simpsons (laughs) score. (laughs) That's pretty good. I'm on foot. I just really enjoy when (laughs) just all the guys come out with the guitar. Um, I love The Simpsons. Cool. Okay, Great. so the ice dance um, is a beautiful sequence, and then we jump. We, uh, Jim basically comes and interrupts it. 
is what happens. Yeah. He's like, babe, I want you back. Um, <laughs> and uh, he sees her dancing with him. And it's what starts the the final uh, climax. It starts. It's what starts the climax. Yeah. He, he comes down the ladder and <laughs> yeah. accidentally cuts her. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he's trying. Why? Is, what is he doing when he brushes? He's like doing something to try and like brush something and slices her hand. Well, he. It's because like he's working on the sculpture yeah. and then Jim's like there and he like. Oh, he's surprised. He's surprised. He spins, surprised. Her, yeah. he spins her out and, and he slices cuts. her hand open and Jim feels like he attacked her. Yeah. And he's like, you attacking my girl, dude? Um, and Diane Weiss runs out, takes Winona inside. Yeah. Um, and Edward makes a run for it. Um, where he stumbles across Kevin, who is crossing the street and is about to be hit by the mystery machine. Um, and so he jumps and tackles Kevin to make sure he doesn't get hit by the car. Um, and then Kevin tries to push him off, but with his scissor hands, he's accidentally slicing Kevin. And it basically, to the town, it looks like he attacked a child. Yeah. This is where the movie could have taken a gross turn, but yes. I'm glad it didn't. Yes. Um, because he gets up and the whole town's like surrounding him and is like, he attacked that child. And Joyce is like, he attacked me. And Jim's like, I'm going to kill him. And uh, he runs away. This is where like the Frankenstein mob with the torches and pitchforks yes, comes right. in comes into play. Because he he runs away and finds a, like a little stoop to hide on, mm-hmm. um, which is where Winona finds him. Yeah. Um. And is this where there's the hold me line? Is it is that here? Yeah. Yeah. Because like they're they're chasing after him, and then yeah, he sneaks back into the house. Yes. That's right. All, it's in the house. while they're all gone. Yeah. And yeah, then she's like. Um, Don Arkin's like, oh, I'm, I went on, I looked for him, I couldn't find him anywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's like he didn't even get in the car. <laughs> he just no. walked down the block right. in his robe. But yeah, then... Um, Diane Weiss is like, maybe it's best that he's gone. Right, yeah. Because um, she... But this is the scene where Winona is... I can't remember what she says before the hold me line. Other than just like, they're, they're coming yeah. after you. She says like, Kevin's fine, it's all okay. Oh, like Kevin's fine, the cut was just a scratch or yeah. whatever. It wasn't. It wasn't bad, mm-hmm. uh, but he's still like kind of like scared. Yeah, and I think is that where um, she asks him and why he did the robbery, and she said, or he says, oh, yes, "I did it for you." Yes, I think that's the moment. I did, that yeah. he did. I did know that it was Jim's house, but I did it for you. <laughs> yeah, and, and then that's where she says, "Hold me," and he tries to tries to, but yeah. then he realizes, like I can't. I, which is the Lenny, yeah, yeah. The, the Lenny, Lenny comparison. Um, and then he. Decides he's going to make his way back to the castle. Well, after that, after that, they I think he goes across the room and she goes over and she lifts up his arms. Yeah. And kind of drapes his arms over so the scissors hang yeah. over her back. So now, yes. now he has his, his human connection for mm-hmm. the first time. Yeah. He finally feels the embrace of somebody else yeah. Yeah. and love. Yeah. And he likes it. See, that would have been enough for me. Yeah. That I, I that that's what I meant by the question of like, could it just have been like a platonic yeah. family love? Like, you know, a general connection. Yeah. Just a general connection. Like the, the, the romance mm-hmm. love. I, I wasn't sure it was only because I just couldn't buy it from. Yeah. Lena, really. But that was, but that's iconic. That, mm-hmm. that moment there, like right. the, hold me, I can't. And then when she like drapes over like the scissor hands, like that was all beautiful. Right. Beautiful. Right. Well done. Because I forget, how does he get <laughs> spotted again? Is, is it just that like he goes outside and they see him and the cops start chasing him? Maybe, yeah. I, I think that might just be that. Yeah, I think so. Um, because he gets pursued by the police. One and cop car. One cop car <laughs> and a mob. 
to the to the castle and he runs up. Um, did something happen before that? When was the scene where he was going down the hallway scratching the walls? Was that after the embrace? That was oh, that that's, because he was fired that's much up. earlier. That that was okay. after he gets bailed out of jail. I yeah. think. Yeah. Okay. When he gets bailed out of jail and he sees Winona go back to Jim. No, yeah, that was yeah. And that's yes. when he cuts yeah. it up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's when he um, has his like temper tantrum essentially. Yeah. But at this point, he's he's running from the police. Yeah. Um, and this is one of those things that I find somewhat annoying in movies. Is this there's I, I can probably given time find five other movies that do this exact same gimmick mm-hmm. where it's like everybody in this movie is white except for the one cop who's black who who's black who shows kindness toward the outsider and it's like such an easy thing for like films to do to have like the one black character who associates with the outsider yeah um but like that character never has any personality to them right you don't learn anything it's just an easy way for a white filmmaker to say, Hey, we'll, we'll throw the one black guy in who sympathizes with the outsider. Um, with the outsider. And that, that's my way of like having some um, diversity and a thumbs up in the movie. Yeah. Uh, well, kind of, if you want to look at his character, he's yeah. an outsider himself. He doesn't yeah. live in the town. Yeah. Um, he is black and he, he is an outsider. So mm-hmm. I guess he can kind of connect to him. Yeah. It's uh, just, you know, but just, I, I see your point. Yeah, it just yeah. always feels easy to do that. Yeah, um, it's an easy rather, trick. It's an easy trick to pull off rather than have the time to... Earn it. Earn it. Yeah. To earn someone who sympathizes with Edward. Yeah. But he does like... He's like, oh, keep running, kid. And then he tries to push the townspeople away from the house so they don't pursue him anymore. Which yeah. they do. Because then... Because he sees Edward running up the castle and he pulls out his gun and fires up at right, the sky right. a few times. And then he holsters it walks back and all the housewives are there again it's just the housewives none of the husbands are there um and jim i want to say and they're all like what happened what happened we have to know he's like it's all over now it's like did you shoot him it's like don't worry about it. it's all over now and then Mm -hmm. he leaves and then um when noda runs after him first and jim pursues jim pursues and then the housewives eventually are like well i want to see what happens like it's funny that they they're they're chasing him, not so much of like they want to like get him per se, but it's like they want to know what happens. Yes. Right. Like exactly. it's their curiosity that exactly. really leads them yeah. in the most. Yeah. It's not their and, rage. And when she does go in through the gates in her lawn, then another wonderful scene where she goes and it's just wonderful sculptures all over. Yeah. And there's a sculpture of a family. Yeah. And mm. which kind of, you know, makes her think, well, this is what he's looking for. He's looking for yeah. a family, he's looking for connections. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so she makes it up to the attic and that's where we have uh i can't remember what happens but in, in between until jim shows up mm-hmm. when winona and ed are there i think they're saying like you can't like i can't you can't go back come back or something yeah. like that or like this is goodbye and then jim shows up and then yeah jim shows up um and Ed tries a- edward's trying to like not um, hurt him yeah trying not to hurt him but eventually jim hits winona and that's when edward just like it, it, it it's like halfway an accident, halfway on purpose. Yeah, because like he gets in between Winona and Kim and Jim, and then Jim turns around and lunges back, and it's almost like he just pushes his hand forward. And yeah. Jim, well, runs it's kind of like it. that. But if you look at it, because this is cemented in my mind, is the face he has when he does that. Oh you, yeah, he turns around, and it's for the first time you see pure rage yeah. in his face, yeah. and he turns, and you see him look right at him and charge right to him and. Right in. I like yeah. I like yeah. how like he does he doesn't like rev up for it. It's just 
Yeah, he just goes up and, and, and it just kind of sh- walks right into him. Yeah. It's, it just kind of shows that he has so much power yeah. that he's not using because he's a good person. Yeah. Like, he could just kill a lot of people in this town. It requires no effort on his end. Um, yeah. But he, you know, is inherently good and has avoided it. He puts so much effort into restraining himself. Yes. How yeah. much work it requires not to hurt the people around him. Yeah. Um, but it does kill Jim, who falls through the window. Yeah. And onto the, the ground below, where all the housewives find him. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Good, 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 good. Um, and they are all just like, oh, geez, there's a dead body here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, my God. And then when Nona says, like, you know, she that's when they kiss. Yes. Something I could have gone without. And she's like, I love you. Also, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I just didn't feel like it was earned. Yeah. That was my, that's my biggest thing. I didn't feel like it was earned. Mm-hmm. But it, it definitely requires, this movie needs more Winona at the beginning. Yeah. Like at least 10 minutes more and a little more gradual, like, or you need sequences, like, showing her getting affectionate for yeah. him instead of just her being like, all right, he's not a bad person. Yeah. Right. Um. I don't think it's a huge detriment to the movie. It's not. Yeah, I still think it's the movie not. is overall like very successful at telling the fairy tale it wants to. Um, but there are, you know, some criticisms here and there. Yeah. Because um, after they kiss um, and embrace, she decides she's going to leave him there, and she grabs like one of the many scissor hands that are just lying about, um, takes it out front, where she holds it up and tells all the housewives he's dead. That is the end of Edward Scissorhands. That uh, him and Jim killed each other. Yes. Yeah. yeah that the they roof collapsed yeah. on him. Yeah. Or he, whatever. The roof collapsed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Roof collapsed on him, and he killed Jim. Yeah. Um, and so they all leave. Um, and Edward just stays up there, um, seemingly for all time. And then we cut back to Winona Grandma. Yeah. Um, Grandma Ryder. Grandma Ryder. That's that's good. I like that. Grandma <laughs> Ryder. Uh, she's retelling the story. Uh, or she's finishing up telling the story, and she says, and that's why. Um, and, and so he and the oh, it's it it cuts to that scene, and then the granddaughter's like, uh, so do you think he's still up there? And Winona says, like, well, before he came down, it never snowed in right, this valley. Right. Now, and now, it snows, and, and now it snows to this day. I think that so long as it is snowing that he's still up there. And then as that happens, the Danny Elfman music swells and we cut to the attic and we see him making his, his never ending ice block supply. That yep. That he could <laughs> continuously get. He's making ice sculptures and it's the same snow that Winona was twirling around is going out from the manor down yep. the hill onto the whole town and neighborhood. He continues to churn away in his Gothic manner, making art for, um, the, pe- the people to enjoy, right? Uh, and, but never understand. And I guess we assume at this point that he has no age. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. age. He doesn't get younger, older, or anything. Yeah. Because would kind of explain while the flashback scenes with Vincent Price are very Victorian looking. Yeah. He may have been made. Edward could have Victorian. just been up there yeah, for a hundred exactly. years. Yeah, yeah. Because I guess we we talked briefly about the scene. I don't think we talked about it in depth about the scene where right before Vincent Price and Edward is there. He's about to give him real hands right, and yeah. right, he holds great them scene. up. Yeah. And right as he does that, like Vincent Price, great performance, just 
dies. Uh, yep. Just dies. And you just see the scissors poke right, through yeah, the hands because yeah. he's like falling. Yeah, he's downwards. lost everything. Yeah. And then, but Edward almost doesn't react. He's just kind of there with, with his scissor hands and the st- stabbed hands yes. like, on the ground. Which have shattered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's a great little scene. Yeah. That's earlier in the movie. We just, I think we might have missed over it. But yeah, the movie ends with like ice sculpture, yeah. snow. There's one little fade cut to like Winona dance, younger yeah. Winona dancing. There's one line where the granddaughter says, Do you ever want to go back up there and see him? It's like, No, like I'm old and he's the same. Yeah. I'd rather he remember me the way I was. Yeah, remember me right, the way that right. I was. Yeah. And she throws the jewel into the ocean. Um, <laughs> yeah. And Bill Paxton talks about how he understands Titanic now. Yeah. Um, By the way, the the best line in uh, Poor Things last night was Titanic me. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was, a, that it, was in the trailer it. for the Sydney Sweeney movie. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know It was that. the Glenn yeah. Powell Sydney Sweeney movie. Yeah. He's like Titanic me. Awesome. Um, oh, nice. Um, I yeah. think that's the... I never understood Titanic. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the that's the end of that's the uh, end of the movie. I think we covered uh, Michael Keaton walks in in the Batman suit and says he will fight Edward Scissorhands and <laughs> Batman v Edward. Um, well, Tim Burton has said in multiple interviews like he would never ever make a sequel yes. for this movie. Like it would just ruin the purity of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I kind of feel like Timothy Chalamet and yeah, <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> um, it's just called Scissor Hands. Um, <laughs> Batman Returns is kind of like a spiritual continuation of this movie um, to me. Yeah. Like Tim Burton's Batman is like, it's a good, it's a good movie, but it's very much just like Batman fights the Joker. That is, that is the plot of that movie. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not super interested in a lot of subtext. Batman Returns is like such, and we talked about it a lot on the Heathers episode because Daniel Waters wrote both those movies, mm-hmm. but that's such a movie about like a group of three weirdos who don't fit in with society being reintroduced to society and like the only way that they can comprehend is to put on leather suits and punch each other and have sex. Yeah. That's, that's the plot of <laughs> Batman returns, <laughs> um, yep. which feels like very much like the spiritual continuation of what he's exploring in this movie is this like outsider weirdo um, who's, who was gifted with physical deformity. Yeah. Um, it's like the penguin story. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a thread he'll continue to tug on, but he'll never make a sequel. Yeah, uh, movie's a huge success. It comes out. Yeah, next. I remember it coming out, and uh, yeah, it was a very very talked about movie. Yeah, I, I makes tw- it's has a budget of twenty million, makes eighty six million, um, like four times his budget, big success. You For remember, the time, yeah, yeah. You remember a lot of people talking about this movie. Yeah, like yeah, yep. Um, it got fairly critical acclaim. A lot of people considered it Burton's like best artistic achievement yet. Yeah. And also, if I may be so bold to say it, a great Christmas movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, a yeah. Good Christmas yeah. Movie. I was yeah. like, I was watching this. And I'm like, this is a great season to be watching this movie yeah. right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's why we had to like scramble to make that Christmas episode that you folks listened to three weeks ago. Yeah. Um, because this movie, this movie, this episode doesn't come out until January 10th. So it's like, well, we missed the shot. Yeah. Um, yeah, we did. Um, but it does get nominated for the Academy Award for Best Makeup. Um, it loses to Dick Tracy. Which was pretty much a flop. Yeah, a big flop. Um, but Al Pacino does wear crazy prosthetics. In that and movie. I and I think Rocketeer was that out the same year. Um, I don't know if Rocketeer was the same year, but it's around the same time. Because there was a um, there was a sort of friendly rivalry between Rocketeer's um, ninety one. Okay, there was a friendly rivalry between whoever uh, 
was making Dick Tracy and whoever was Warren making... Warren Beatty and Joe Johnson. Okay, so, and I think it was The Rocketeer. I'm, I can't remember, maybe something else. And um, he, one of them made a comment to the Dick Tracy, yeah. to um, Warren Beatty, and uh, Warren Beatty said, well, my dick's bigger than, is going to yeah. be bigger than yours. Yeah. Some comment like that, yeah. That is the, th- that's the funny thing that comes out of Batman being a big success. And obviously you were around during those times. So right, right, right. But that it doesn't spawn like a new wave of superhero movies. It spawns a lot of people making adaptations of 1930s comic book. Like, right, right. Like Batman's success. And they're like, all right, we're going to make Dick Tracy, the shadow. We're going to make the phantom. We're going to make a dark man, the rocketeer. (laughs) I think the mentality then probably was more, we'll make a movie and we'll make sequels to that particular movie. Uh, Marvel was brilliant coming up with, we're not going to make sequels per se to Iron Man. We will, but we're going to build a whole universe around this and a whole big story, which is a lot, which is why that worked out in the Batman. Yeah. I just like that. Um, they were that the, the success of Batman kind of prompted them to be like the rocketeer also came, (laughs) was like 1927. There was another really, really bad, uh, movie that came out that time. The Saint. And it wasn't the Saint. It was, uh, it was like a rocketeer is a 1930s and it had a long, Title like somebody in the fantastical journey. Oh, um, are you thinking about the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? No, it was it was previous to that. It it just it came out and disappeared. Okay, Um, can't remember what it was. Uh, Sounds like one of the many things that flopped. Yeah, Uh, we never (laughs) never speak of again. Um, But yeah, um, to this day, Burton kind of cites it as his most personal work. Um, It's his first time working with Johnny Depp. Um, It's his last time working with Monona for many years until Frankenweenie. Um, it continues to get a lot of airtime around Christmas on a lot of television series. There is apparently, I'm seeing now, a comic book series that's a sequel to the to the movie. Um, it looks like Burton didn't really have any involvement in it, um, which is weird. Interesting. And then, oh, Stuart, you weren't fully kidding about the Timothy Chalamet thing, were you? There's a Super Bowl ad where Timothy yes, Chalamet plays yes, Edward yeah, Scissorhands. Yeah, oh, yeah. really? Yeah. <laughs> that, I, mean, I was like, did you just say that? that or did you that was that? deep in my subconscious. I wasn't thinking that actively when I said that joke, but yeah, it I guess It features Winona Ryder reprising her role and Timothy Chalamet. Because she's the Diane Weist character. Yeah. And, yeah. Scissorhands. Oh, my gosh. I got I to gotta pull that up. That's We'll do an episode on it. Yeah, cause <laughs> we have to. We really wanted to see Winona in that revive that famous part yeah <laughs> as um yeah i do like the poster for this movie how it's very much like it looks like a sappy romance poster but with a grotesque <laughs> guy with scissor hands right. on it this isn't this a great poster for this movie <laughs> that is a pretty great poster. like there's all these like really kind of crappy photoshop posters that you get on like the dvd now yeah um but i like this very much like playing with the form of it's like a sappy romance poster, except with like a monster on it. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, this is the story of a boy with sorry, scissors. Sorry, I'm just pulling up You this. pulled up the, the no, Super Bowl ad? Edgar, you're going to be late. Oh, it's Edgar, Scissorhands. My son, Edgar. Hi, sweetie. Interesting. Oh, they're implying that the two of them had a... Yeah, kid. Oh, boy. Next up, Lancer Street. Opposite poles can- anyway, that's it's weird that the Super Bowl now it's like the new the new thing is 
we're just going to make a sequel to a movie that people liked, but with um, as a Super Bowl. Ad. Holiday Night Fever. Right. Yeah, like they did the Holiday Night Fever for Travolta. There was the um, the Big Lebowski um, Dos Equis ad. Yeah. Um, where yeah. it was like just Jeff Bridges. Um, they couldn't even get John Goodman. No. Um, but like just Jeff Bridges being like, I'll drink this beer. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> so um, what... What do we have about like what this movie led to or anything like as far as Winona's career? For Winona's career, it really is just kind of the beginning of a closing of a door for this era. Yeah, um, because this is it's this Mermaids and Night on Earth are kind of the the end of it girl. Um, the it, like I said the it girl era, and then the second she's in Bram Stoker's Dracula and the Age of Innocence, which are back to back Scorsese Coppola or yeah. Coppola Scorsese. Um, gets that Oscar nomination for Age of Innocence, she's a very different type of performer now. Mm-hmm. Um, and she doesn't do something like this again. She's usually playing the lead in a movie or the supporting role in a big prestige movie. Yeah. For um, better? Or for worse. We'll find out. Worse? I haven't seen a lot of these movies. I've seen Bram Stoker, um, but I haven't seen The Age of Innocence. Same. Um, we're going to get innocent. <laughs> um, thank you. Um, but then it's a run. She, you know, it's back to back Oscar nominations because she's in Little Women right after, mm-hmm. um, The Crucible, um, Looking for Richard, etc. And then um, she gets she has to start getting into action movies with Alien Resurrection, um, Girl Interrupted, and then uh, kind of starts falling off after that point. You're just really liking this, aren't you? And uh, I think Girl Interrupted was a critically uh, welcome. It was movie, a wasn't vi- it? it was a big success. The problem was Angelina Jolie gets all the buzz oh, for that's it. Right? Yeah. Oh, Even yeah. Winona, it's like supposed to be Winona's big like. I'm gonna get a best actress nomination because I think she's only supporting for the previous two. Yeah. But Angelina Jolie is the one who comes out of the movie getting all the praise and the Oscar. Yeah. Um, and Winona's kind of just like people are like, yeah, she's good in it, but it's the Angelina Jolie movie. And uh, a relationship comes out of this movie. Her and Johnny Depp. Well, the, the, it's before this. Well, before, but I'm saying like it, it goes on after this. Yeah, movie it continues out. to go on. Yeah, after it continues this. to go on. Think, when when do they break up? I think they date for two more years after this. I think they break up in '92. Oh man, very short-lived relationship. I mean, I'll I'll find the exact um, confirmation of that, but it really, yeah. Um, she pro- he proposed to her in '90. They never got married, and they broke up in '93. Yeah. Um, and then he just kind of bounces around for a while. Mm-hmm. When he was in his trial last year, Winona wrote like a letter for it, which is like during my time with him, he never abused me, but I'm obviously not going to discount any of the um, allegations against him. Mm. That was her contribution to it. She kind of just was like, I have no experience of this, but I'm staying away from it. If they said it, then I believe him. It's very Switzerland-like approach, yes. maybe. Right. Um, but that's uh, that's basically all I have to say about Edward Scissorhands. Um, yeah, and the the one comment I have is the blonde hair did not work for her. Yes, but I assume the uh, reasoning for that is to the, contrast, not just to contrast, but blondes are just con- you know stereotypical. They think yeah. of them as shallow, and I think that's what they wanted to put in that yeah. community. Well, she's in like like shorter skirts. She's wearing crop tops. Like it's it's, it's meant to make her look like you know like the cheerleader. It's, it's a, right, stereo- exactly, exactly. Blonde is like yeah. a stereotypical color of beauty. Yeah. Um. And so they just kind of really wanted to contrast her with the all black. Um. He's literally a black and white guy. Yeah. Right. Um, right. 
And she's usually a little more colorful. Yeah. Looking um, at her career real quick. Yeah, another interesting dichotomy of roles there. Yeah, I don't think she's blonde again. I think this might be <laughs> the one time she tries, she tries it out. Hmm. Yeah, besides Super Bowl commercial. Yeah, besides the Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> when she is well, definitely blonde. We'll, we'll keep the blonde watch going. Uh, we'll call it hashtag blonde watch. <laughs> Check blonde back watch. in every week. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like uh, hashtag corn watch. Yeah. There's, there's a U.S. Yeah. senator who every year posts a picture of his cornfield yeah. and says, hashtag Again, I apologize, watch. Stuart. <laughs> it's all good. No. For, for my corn heads out there, uh, <laughs> I, know, I know you're enjoying it. Um, yeah. Okay, fine. That's all I have to say. That's all I have to say. I'm armed. Stuart, do you have anything else to say? You're armed and dangerous. Uh, no, I, uh, I, I like this movie. Uh, really enjoyed it. it. It's a good season to watch. Yeah. It, it, people are watching this in January. It's a shame this episode couldn't yeah. come out earlier. Well, wait till I, we watch Little Women in February. Right. A movie that is like very Christmas homey in a cottage. Yeah. Definitely. Maybe it's a good double feature. Watch Edward Scissorhands and Little Women, two very wildly yeah. different movies. Watch them around Christmas time. Yeah. I think that's a good, like, that's a good, uh, uh, it's a good little Winona double feature. Yeah. 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 It's a good Winona double mm-hmm. feature for Christmas holiday time. Yes. Um, but that's all I have to say. Uh, do you have anything else to add? Uh, not really. I mean, I just enjoy the movie. Mm-hmm. It's a movie you can watch over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, visually, it's beautiful, and uh, it's just a nice story that's easy to follow. You can jump in. And once you've seen the movie, you can jump in at any point mm-hmm. and watch the rest of the movie. Yeah. I was looking uh, at Tim Burton's um, list, and I think it's my fourth favorite of his. Um, really? Yeah, I think the... Oh, yeah, um, because I... I would prefer Edward Peewee and Batman Returns to this, but I think this is still one of his like his upper ash movies. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And this is the movie that um, I got respect for Johnny Depp throughout his career. Yeah. After that, that uh, he took a champ. Yeah. He took a. I don't want to say challenging role, but out of the box. Yeah, he could have out of yeah. He, he could have continued to just play like heartthrobs. Yeah, and exactly. he decided to upend his persona. Yeah. Right. Right. He also says 160 words in this movie. Yes. Yeah. 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 In the 90s, he was making a lot of interesting choices um, for his roles. Yeah. And And like even being in Pirates of the Caribbean was not like an obvious choice for him or a big win. And obviously paid off for him in the literal sense. Yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean first one was good. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Downhill after that. (laughs) Listen, I think Dead Man's Chest is a pretty good sequel. And Mm. World's End is, eh, but it at least ends. And I think he got a uh, maybe got, an Oscar nomination for Gilbert Grape. Maybe? He got an he is he has three Oscar nominations. One of them is for Pirates of the Caribbean, which is wild. The um, first one, yes, he gets wow. nominated for the first Pirates, and then he was also nominated for Sweeney Todd. Wow. Um, and he was of course nominated for the Crimes of Grindelwald. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. He was arrested for the crimes. Mm. His first nomination is for Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. And then wow. he gets nominated for Finding Neverland and Sweeney Todd. Finding Neverland. Good movie. I have actually never seen Finding Neverland. Oh, you should. Um, I think you have, Jeffrey. I, I have. But I, you may not remember. Sort of like I don't remember too right? much. Um, I can't remember too much about it. It was about, um, about yeah, Peter Pan, right? The writer it's Peter like Pan. in yeah, a world yeah. where Peter Pan is fi- is you know still a fictional movie, but it, he plays the author or yeah, not? The author I think of, he plays the author. Yeah. He plays J M Barry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's how he comes up with the idea of Peter Pan. Essentially, good movie. I I, I think it's a good movie. I've seen Christopher Robin. Is that good? 
do you know what that movie's about? Well, I, I know it's Ewan McGregor. But and do you know like what that movie's about? That movie is about Ewan McGregor playing a grown-up Christopher Robin who saw the atrocities of World War II and the Holocaust. Oh, and hallucinates <laughs> and, them. And, no, and recovers when Winnie the Pooh comes back into his life. <laughs> that is what that movie is about. So it's not a hallucination of his PTSD? No, it's like dead-ass like Winnie the Pooh <laughs> comes out of the Hundred Acre Wood, finds him, and is like, why'd you stop coming? Why'd you stop coming to the Hundred Acre Wood? And he's like, I saw the Holocaust, bro. <laughs> like, Oh, my God. Um. That movie's actually rather good, but it's it's very bizarre. The op- the opening credits are just like you're hearing like do 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 as you're like watching you murder like fire a machine gun at a Nazi encampment. Whoa. <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> okay, I gotta watch that one. You should watch Christopher Robin. It's very bizarre. Yeah, I do gotta watch that one. Um Wow. It's probably the most interesting of the Disney live action uh-huh. things that they've done recently. Yeah. Because most yeah. of them have been terrible. Uh-huh. Um, it's the one that kind of has like an interesting hook to it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> at least we're going to do something weird with this. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that that's all I have to say about Edward Scissorhands and Christopher Robin. Fantastic. Fantastic. I, we need not digress more into the later Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yeah, yeah. All um, right. All right. Um, anything else anyone wants no, to say? I think we're, if yeah. not, I will lead us off. Um, thank you so much for listening this week to Edward Scissorhands. Make sure to tune in next week where we'll be talking about mermaids. Mermaids. Um, the Cher uh, 1991 romance? I think that music actually plays whenever you say the word Cher. Uh, <laughs> just like you say Cher and that just it happens. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, tune in for that episode. If you like this episode, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe, um, whatever platform you're listening on. If you dislike this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on to the podcast Above the Title, an exploration of Colin Farrell. Uh, give him a bad review if you dislike us. Um, <laughs> um, uh, as a reminder, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Pop into our Reddit, r slash Travolting. Find us at TravoltingPod, Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky, and Threads. Email TravoltingPodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff W. Sweeney. Uh, I'm on Instagram. You know where. Anything you want to plug? Um, I'm all in the house on Instagram. Yeah. Um, some artwork. <laughs> uh, yeah, he runs an artwork store online. Uh, nice. Check it out. There's some fun stuff there. Um, and special thanks, as always, to Rebecca Johnson for her graphic design, uh, Michael Van Bodegum Smith for our theme music, and for you for coming on today. I really yeah, appreciate you, you coming out for this. It. it was a yeah, pleasure. Enjoyed it. We finally had all the dads. Yeah, we have all the dads. <laughs> now we got to get one episode with all the dads at the same time. Yeah, we got to get my dad. Uh, well, that, that's got to be like ultimate dad. We got to find the ultimate dad. <laughs> There's got to be one. There's got to be one. And hopefully one that the dads like and you two don't. Right. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that, that would be would, yeah. one of the, the the most crippling moments of my life. You guys <laughs> just talk the entire time. Yeah, and we'll put some alcohol in, <laughs> yeah. in the mix. <laughs> oh, yes. That would be great. Well, that's uh, all I have to say. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, tune in next week. Have a great week, folks, and enjoy your January. Um,